Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to episode number 80 of the Primetime Rundown right here on the Eastern Observer. Our show is presented to you by Black Hats NYC, alongside my guys Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, and Mike Zabo. I'm Joey Jarzinger. Cannot thank you all enough for joining us on this winter weather warning Friday night here on the East Coast. We cannot thank you all enough for making us a part of your Friday night. Ladies and gentlemen, our show is presented to you by Black Cats NYC. Be sure to download their newest album, Free Cake, which is out now. Play loud on the following music platforms, Apple Music, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Pandora, and Spotify. And of course, make sure to download their newest hit single, which is a December song, but of course in January still does have the cold, wintry feeling. Run, Rudolph, run only by Black Cats NYC. Ladies and gentlemen, Good to see everybody. Ian Schreier and Mike Zappa were not supposed to be on until about 7.35-ish until the Henrik Lundqvist uh, retirement ceremony was completely uh, completed. But, of course, Ian Schreier has disappointed us. Ian, good to see you, sir. Well, you know, I, you mentioned to me before the show, Joey, about how I had to grow out. I was growing out my playoff beard, and, all, and it's only January. But you know what? I could have been growing out my playoff beard because – I was hoping and hoping for Joe Shane and Brian Dabble, and clearly the beard, the beard worked. It worked its magic. Yeah, you see that? You see all of a sudden now there's breaking news after breaking news after breaking news, which we will be dropping in a few short moments here on the Eastern Observer. Mike Zabo, good to see you, sir. How are things on your side of uh, of Queens? Doing well. Um, you know, just this uh, retirement ceremony, I mean, my – it's well deserved. I mean, if only we could, if only the Rangers could have got a cup for him. That's the only thing missing. What a shame. Um, but a, a, a great night, and we got breaking news for the Giants. I mean, what what better can it be? As long as the Rangers get a win tonight, it's a perfect night. Mm, well, listen. I mean, if it's anything like 2014 in the Stanley Cup Final in Game Five. Who knows? Who oh, you have knows? to go there. You Who have knows? to go there. Hey, listen. All I could tell you is, is that. That was a fun night. Rob Mike, DeLuca. At least, at, least, at least the Rangers have been there within the last, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. But remember, <laughs> but remember, one one Stanley Cup since 1940 means uh, bupkis. Rob DeLuca, good to see you, sir. How are things on your side? And what do we have coming up on our show tonight? Oh, you know, it's cold. It's cold as all hell here. Snow's coming down. Horrible time to be in New Jersey or New York, you know, where we all are. You know, weather's bad, but that doesn't. But what's not bad is the show we've got tonight. Beautiful, beautiful things. Lots of football to talk about. Too much football to talk about. You can't even explain the whole rundown. There's breaking news in Tampa Bay. There's breaking news in New York. And then, of course, there's the conference championships to look forward to. And then we're going to have to make our picks. Ian Schreier going to make his survivor pick. We'll see if he can maybe finally get some separation from John DeConi and pick up the sudden death victory, which has eluded both of them because both they have picked the same teams the prior two weeks. We will see what happens tonight. And then, of course, we'll, bre- we'll break down Henrik Lundqvist's Jersey retirement ceremony, just a little bit, just a little bit. You know, got to touch, got to touch on the greatest goaltender of all time to never win a Stanley Cup. That's right. And then we have to talk a little bit about St. John's as they head to Villanova tomorrow night, and maybe recap how their game against Seton Hall went as well. It's mm. a packed show, Joey. Very packed show. That's probably the longest I've ever talked, and it's probably the longest I'll ever talk ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to also remember that in addition to Mike Zabo coming on as always and being the good. Uh, rotational host that he is. We also have John Hendricks, who's the lead writer and reporter for Saints News at Sports Illustrated and the host of Believe in Saints podcast on the 
the Believe Podcast Network. He will be with us later on around 7.35. It's going to be a ton of fun here on our program tonight. Episode number 80, of course, will get started with a lot of breaking news. And for starters, the big one here in the New York area is offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills is now going to become head coach of the New York Giants, Brian Dable. Amazing stuff to see, ladies and gentlemen, that there was also some talk that we actually got a chance to see even a few moments ago that Brian Dable was very close to interviewing for the New Orleans Saints head coaching vacancy. That was a big deal as well. So, uh, I mean, we'll start here with Ian Schreier because, you know, he's been hoping for that. He, he, he uh, you know, falsely claimed that he grew out his playoff beard, even though fatherhood comes first, he just forgot. Um, you know, what What do we think here about, uh, about this hiring? Because this is a big deal. Joe Shane, Brian Dable, the only thing missing is uh, Josh Allen, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think from a collaboration perspective, as a New York football Giants fan, it's great to see that, uh, and I hope we get more details as uh, they, as the pre- as we see his press conference and have an opportunity to learn a little more about what went into the hiring. If uh, if the Maras uh, step back, like uh, John Mara had said he was going to, and that they were going to give the reins of the team uh, and the front office to the new general manager Joe Shane, who came from Buffalo. So I mean, even off the off the second that Joe Shane was hired, it seemed like it was going to be a no brainer slam dunk that once the Bills season came to a close, that Brian Dable was going to be the next head coach of the New York Giants, or so you hoped. I mean, there was all that talk about Dan Quinn. Uh, Leslie Frazier's name was dropped. Um, I, I know there was a lot of pickup with that after uh, Pat Leonard's report came out about uh, Dable potentially going to Miami. So they were saying, oh, it, it's going to happen. And I think every Giants fan was kind of fearing for their life a little bit, strictly because of the performance that the Bills defense had this past weekend against the Chiefs at, at Arrowhead and saying um, – I don't know if this would be the best head coach, but uh, Dable's been destined at this point to uh, to be a head coach. He was going to be out of Buffalo no matter where he was going. He was the, I, I think you could make the argument, he was probably the hottest commodity um, on the head coaching mark in terms of head coaching free agency. Um, and, and the Giants got their guy. I, I know for me, I got my guy. I think this is great. This is a guy who has developed and given a lot of leash to a guy like Josh Allen. And I think it's just very important. Uh, going forward towards 2022 and the continual development of uh, of Daniel Jones, who's entering into his fourth year, and to see whether or not the Giants are going to pick up that option on his fifth year, this is just a this is going to be a, a real real big year for the Giants. I mean, not even to say like expectations are high, but just to see just to show marked improvement that you, that they brought in not only the right GM, but also that the GM brought in the right head coach, and they're making the right moves for player development, and we're also seeing the growth hopefully, um, of Daniel Jones. Yeah, there's no doubt. You get a chance to see what Dable and the entire uh, coaching staff as well as the front office had did with Josh Allen. Josh Allen was also not supposed to be the cream of the crop of that 2016 uh, draft class as well. Uh, 2016 or 17 or in that range. 2018, yeah. 2018, 2018, right. So, um, you know, it was supposed to be the Josh Rosens. It was supposed to be the Sam Darnolds. It was supposed to be a, a lot of different, a lot of different players. And Josh Allen's name slipped a little bit and, yeah. uh, look who's still standing, uh, and exactly what that entire staff did. That's really absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, and because we have three giants fans in here now, the next one, I got to go to Mike Zabo. You're happy. You're all happy. So, I mean, take it away, Mike. Well, we are now. The Buffalo Giants, as I put it. That, that's what we now are. 
We've got the Buffalo. Get a couple of players and then and get a couple of Buffalo players and then we'll definitely give you that name. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's exactly the dream scenario that people uh, that Giants fans wanted. Like Ian said, once Joe Shane was named the general manager, you feel like this was an inevitable, even though they said, oh, we'll cast a wide net on the head coaching search. Everybody was like, yeah, you're not going to deny like your best friend in the room, the guy you've been working and building teams with for the past couple of years or part of that coaching staff. So uh, I think it's a great hire. I think the Giants have gone this route with an offensive mind years before and it hasn't worked, but you hope this guy is the right one. Um, it, it, it was strange the amount of defensive coaches they were interviewing because the worst part of the Giants team – by far was the offense and to bring in a defensive mind would kind of strike people in a weird in a weird position so i think it's great you you pull you pulled in an offensive mind the guy who's been uh coaching josh allen calling plays for josh allen and and whatnot and executing a great offense for the buffalo bills not saying that uh daniel jones is anywhere close to josh allen of course not but uh, you hope he can make this offense somewhat competitive and get this jo- and help get this Giants team to be a much more competitive team in the NFC East. Yeah, it's really um, unbelievable to see this. In addition to again the the defensive mind that the Buffalo Bills brought in in Sean McDermott, who was the defensive coordinator for Philadelphia to start. That's where he got his career started, and then in Carolina, the whirlwind that he did, and he was able to bring. Uh, Carol, no, uh, the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 50. So, and then right after that, he was eventually hired in Buffalo. But uh, Rob DeLuca, you know, you you must be a happy Giants fan. There's no doubt about it. And maybe, you know, to see what uh, Daniel Jones might be able to do. We saw Joe Shane. He did say uh, that if they can get some pieces for Daniel Jones, that is his number one priority. I think it's very important. I mean, look, these are great hires. There's no question about it. Joe Shane, Brian Dabble. It's a beautiful, beautiful day to be a New York Giants fan. You know, the start of something new finally. And I just am very excited. And I think you're absolutely right, Joey. I think that what matters the most is getting Daniel Jones the proper protection and the weapons to succeed here. Because as John Mara put it, we've done everything possible to screw this kid up. And you know what? He's right. There is yeah. no question about it. We we truly do not know if Daniel Jones can be the guy or not because he one has never been healthy for a full season. Two, he's never got he's never been protected. He's all he's got to throw the ball within two seconds, or he's getting he's getting put on the ground. Thus, why he's never healthy. Yeah. So it's it's just a matter of getting the protection. And seeing what Daniel Jones and not only Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, who the Giants are in limbo on if they're going to pay or not, see if he can go back to rookie season, Saquon Barkley, behind an actual offensive line. So I think this all comes down while it's, they're great hires, you know, they're going in the right direction. John Maris stepped back, and the hiring of Dable proves that he stepped back because it was known that Mara wanted Brian Flores, but. The fact that it is, in fact, Dable means Joe Shane took the reins on that hire. And it, but overall, it comes down to who they draft. 
it, I think also, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I also okay. think too that you know he definitely had a, a hand in it. But oh if, no, there's if, no if question. Also, there's no if, question. His his hands were all over this. Yeah, yeah. Especially John because John Mara had every had, has every right to do that as team owner. There's no question about well, it. Well, this is well, this is also something that Ian has brought up time and time, you know, time in and time out too. You know about Wellington Mara and the Giants' way, how that is very old right. school, and unfortunately, it does not really convert into 2022 national football it, league do, it does not and that's exactly why these hires happen joey yeah so, and that's it, why these they happen this way but he's still going to be an owner of the team and be involved that's that, ju ju just stepping so. stepping back doesn't mean you ignore you ignore the team completely you, it just means okay it's time to adapt let my new gm take 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 over here and and run things and i'll, I'll supervise from like let's use, smarter like, people in the room let's let's use like a perfect example here like the perfect sure example of what of what rob's trying to allude to in terms of a or or joey's trying to allude to in terms of an owner who oversteps his boundaries has to be jerry jones right like yeah. like like he doesn't it doesn't matter who the general manager of the dallas cowboys is i he jerry jones makes the day-to-day -day decisions of what happens within that organization and ever since jerry johnson with the exception of the one super bowl that they won with barry switzer as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, which really was with which was with Jimmy's, excuse me, Jimmy Johnson was with Jimmy's players. Um, that team has yet to win a Super Bowl, um, and I think there's a big reason as to why why that is. And and I think Jerry Jones has everything to do with why that that team has yet to celebrate or even make it to a Super Bowl since I believe it's 1995. Yeah. So, I th so to 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 that point. I think we're, we're learning very quickly. I, I think a lot of this goes back to, again, converse, conversations that we continue to rehash over and over again. I think a lot of John Maris sticking his hand in the cookie jar goes back to, oh, you know, everything with Eli Manning and the end of his career. And, and, and I think it all spiraled from there was that the fact that this team was trying to win one more Super Bowl for Eli. And I think John Mara wanted to seek every way to make that happen. And they tried bringing in Pat Shermer. They tried bringing in Ben McAdoo. Hey, kudos to Ben McAdoo. You're the new OC of the Carolina Panthers. Who, who thought you'd get another job? Um, you know, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you tried going with Joe Judge, who we all thought, who we all thought was a slam dunk, right? So it, I, it's no longer about, oh, you know, I, I just love what Bill Belichick does because Bill Belichick was the defensive coordinator of the Giants for two Super Bowls um, that we need to we need to bring in former Patriot guys because they've worked. They they historically haven't worked. So I think this, this was just a great move by the Giants front office. It, it, it's a step. I wouldn't say that everything has automatically in, in, in the span of two weeks transformed. It hasn't. But at least to say that they hired who we all thought in terms of they needed to find guys who, who excel in player development and drafting right and, and, and just player evaluation, they brought in the, the right two guys to set the table going forward. Yeah, there's no doubt yeah. about it. And, uh, and like I've said to all of our audience, including to the three of you guys, as a diehard Eagles fan, I am very afraid of the future because it's a good being afraid. Uh, this team will be not good in the short term because of cap issues that happen. Yeah, the the mess that was left by by prior management. Absolutely. Right, exactly. Yeah, but mess. but again, listen, it anything is possible. You got a chance to see a Philadelphia Eagles team go nine and eight when they were projected to go uh, four and thirteen. So listen, you know anything is possible, yeah. and especially with a massive dead cap hit that the Eagles had almost $45 million on the dead cap, uh, the Giants are going to have something very similar. Could they get back into 
you know, into playoff contention? I don't know. Again, it's going to be very, very difficult, uh, especially when they have to make some hard-nosed choices uh, on who to keep, on what, on, 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 not even who to keep. It's, it's, can they afford this? Can they move these contracts way down? And uh, that's going to be really tough, but really kudos uh, to the New York Giants and to Brian Dable for uh, getting all of that done. Uh, We do have another piece of breaking news, though. CBS Sports headquarters uh, put up a video a few moments ago, about an hour ago, that was actually sent into our group message here, uh, saying that it looks as if that Tom Brady's retirement is imminent. Uh, And those are close sources closest to Tom Brady. Well, I want to speak about this because that would be officially the end of both my childhood and Rob DeLuca's childhood. Mike Zabo's still a baby, but you know, <laughs> with that, with that he, he, he his rookie season was when you were born, dude. You got to exactly, deal with it. exactly. So you know, so the bottom line here, though, is that all joking aside, is is that if that does happen, right? And we got a chance when we spoke with uh, with John Hendricks earlier, Rob and Mike, we got a chance to speak about where the potential quarterback, uh, you know, the, 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 the puzzle pieces, where, who, where are they going to fit in? Who could go to Tampa Bay if Tom retires? But now, um, you know, cat's out of the bag. The messages or the secrets out of the bag. We did pre-record that segment with, uh, with John Hendricks. But um, if Tom Brady does retire, if these rumors are true, if these reports are true, um, what, what happens down in Tampa? Well, as of right now, um, unless they're going to really jump into the quarterback carousel, they drafted Kyle Trask last year. He was learning under Tom Brady. Uh, as of right now, I guess they give him a shot um, and see where it goes from there. I think it's interesting. You saw – not that there were deficiencies, but you're interested to see with this Tampa Bay offense what a more mobile quarterback can do, although you have an absolutely fantastic offensive line. Uh, you got great weapons everywhere, and you got a, a really good, robust running attack. You got all the tools you need. But it would be interesting to see, especially with teams in the NFC, there are a couple of teams in the NFC that are, have really strong pass rushes, as we saw, whether it's the 49ers, the Rams, and whatnot, and that won't change going forward. Um, so it'll be interesting what a more mobile quarterback could do. In their offense, not that you want to see Tom Brady go if you're Tampa Bay, but now you're now you, you've had to have you've had to they've had these conversations the last couple of years because you never know when Tom Brady was ever going to say that's it these last couple of years. But now you actually may have to have those conversations of all right now what's the plan? How are we going to continue to be really good because this. The way the team is set up and the personnel you have, this is a win-now team. You can't just start, you know, all right, we got to figure this out for the next two, yeah. three, four years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how is, you know, if he's going to be there, Byron Leftwich and, and all those guys going to figure out whether it's Kyle Trask or somebody else, how can they make a decent, a, a really good offense or whatnot? But if it's done, I mean, what a career for Tom Brady. I mean, we could serenade him all night, but, I mean – I would, I'm, I would just be shocked that it comes this quick in the offseason. Yeah, I don't expect I, I don't expect it to be announced now. I think there's still a little more time. And I mean, you know, I don't want to say Tom Brady is the one that would take away from Super Bowl week or, you know, from the 
you know, for the next few weeks until I, th- I think he would want it on his time, all the spotlights on him. Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe Tom Brady's a little uh, different in his older age. Um, Ian Schreier, your thoughts on that? You know, I thought, and, and I was talking to uh, one of our other uh, rotating guests, uh, Larry Pertakowitz, about this the other day, about I felt like if he was going to go out, wouldn't he have gone out with a farewell tour um, and had a chance to kind of do what his rival uh, for many years, Peyton Manning, did, which was, you know, whether or not the Broncos' defense won them that Super Bowl to try to leave on top. Um, but also, how about this part of it? I mean, think of, think about this for a second. Do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win a Super Bowl with, uh, two years ago without Tom Brady? No, I mean, I mean, think about, think about, think about how much that franchise transformed in two or three short years. They, you know, they, they, (laughs) they brought in Brady. They had Bruce Arians as their head coach. Um, All of a sudden, Rob Gronkowski is coming out of retirement. Um, Whether or not, you know, we knew the mess that Antonio Brown was going to be there. They're adding talent out wide, like Antonio Brown to compliment players like Chris Godwin and and, and Mike Evans. And um, they they go out and they sign a guy like Leonard Fournette and and they they just make all these moves to make themselves a win now team. And then they go out and they beat the chiefs in the Super Bowl last year, um, uh, last year. So I think that, that there's something to be said for that about, you know, what Tom Brady brings to the table. I thought he would try to give it one more year. Maybe he still does, but um, I was listening to an interview the other day. Um, I believe Tom Brady was giving, I don't know if it was on a podcast or it was on a, a local station in Tampa, but he had said that I think it's time for me to step away and spend more time with my children and be there for my kids. And, um, you know, I think, the, you know, the merry-go-round has had its time. And, uh, you know, I, I, spent, I spent his whole career in Foxborough. But, you know, I don't think he plans. I think even though I think we all could have saw Tom Brady playing till he was 50, um, I think this is this is the right time for him. I, you know, I, there was a tweet I saw the other day from Evan Winter uh, that said, you know, I would love to see what the, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. Mm-hmm with a uh, non, you know, mega, mega superstar type court without, without somebody like Tom Brady, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we saw what they had when they had Jameis Winston. I mean, listen, I don't care if you put Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, all these players on the team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do not win a Super Bowl with Jameis Winston as their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we're going to find out, like Mike said, they did draft Kyle Trask. So I think we'll find sooner than later. Um, if this is it for Tom for TB12, I, I hope not. I hope he gives it one more year. But if this is it, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the next 12 months. Yeah, there's no doubt. But the thing to me, though, is, is that, again, you know, and and we'll bring this up later on with John Hendricks, is is that there's a lot of free agent, not, not only free agent quarterback pieces, but also you've got a lot of teams in need of quarterbacks. So it's going to be a massive QB carousel. But in addition to, there's also Chris Godwin, who's off of an ACL injury. Will he be re-signed in Tampa for a lot less? Uh, will the next quarterback, if those reports are true, be, uh, you know, will will they have a good relationship with a Godwin or even a Mike Evans? You don't know. You got a chance to see what Jameis Winston did with Mike Evans, and it wasn't pretty for a while. And then once Tom Brady came, Mike Evans became the uh, the, the Terrell Owens of uh, of now. Um, you know, he's, he's really transformed his game. He's gotten better. Antonio Brown did the same thing until he decided to run onto the field, like a, like a crazed fan. Um, but you know, again, all joking aside though, is, is that there might also be a lot of free agents or potentially even tradable quarterbacks out there. 
uh, that could land in Tampa because I don't see a Trask or a Blaine Gabbert being the answer, even as a stopgap. It's not the answer, and Tampa Bay is built to win now. Do you really think Devin White would have signed his contract, uh, the, the especially the extension, if he were if he would know or if he found out about this now? No, I don't think so. I think there would be a lot of turmoil down in Tampa Bay on Aaron Rodgers anybody yeah exactly exactly (laughs) impossible and on top of it too is that if Tampa Bay or even an Aaron Rodgers they want to Aaron Rodgers isn't now in a perfect scenario where he now can call the cards and he could say all right I'm going down to Tampa this is the perfect way for him to go out too and follow Tom Brady's footsteps if that does happen DeLuca your thoughts yeah look if if this is it I mean, look, that CBS report came from nowhere, and they tweet, and, and it was like it really got broken. They tweeted it out. It's almost like that wasn't on TV. It was like tw- it was just a random little quick video tweeted out by the CBS Sports headquarters. So it's it's a strange one, but I mean, they are legit. So it's it's interesting because if this is it for Tom Brady, I mean, look, we're saying goodbye to the greatest quarterback of all time. That's what we're doing here, and. He's he had more touchdowns than how old he was, which is still impressive to do when you're this old. So, you know what? It's it's it, as Joey said, it is the end of my childhood. It's the end of Joey's childhood. It, there's there's no other way to put it. And it's it's just it's the yeah. legendary status of him seeing him go. And I really do wonder if Aaron Rodgers is the is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next quarterback. And if not. Then it, it, there's no question that, in my opinion, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be a bad team and a bad team really quick, especially if Chris Godwin is not retained, which needs to be done this season. It's obviously Tampa Bay's number one priority that's already out in the open. Their number one priority is retaining and keeping Chris Godwin. Not anymore. And if they not if anymore. They, well, if they don't it's do it, quarterback now. Well, yeah, you got to get a quarterback. But here's the thing. If you don't keep your star receiver, what does it matter who your quarterback is? If you well, don't have your you still, star receiver. Well, no, no, no. Well, hold on a second. Well, ho- well, hold on a second. See, that's the thing, though, is, is that you still have pieces such as the Scotty Millers of the world. You have other little pieces. Yeah, those are depth pieces. You need, no, no, you no. need your all-star. You I need understand. All-star. I understand that. And Godwin is an, is an all-star in the slot. He's fantastic. And we've gotten a chance to see what he's been able right. to do. Mike Evans, the moment you shut him down, yes, he can go one-on-one with some of these guys. We saw it uh, this past weekend right, right, right. With, uh, with Jalen. And Ramsey, it all worked out for the most part. But again, you have to find a quarterback that suits the style of whoever the next offensive coordinator is going to be. No, I agree. Well. And, just, and and yeah. and 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 the thing also to me too is that I see you know we're we're also talking here in in, in the in the group on the side too. And I want to get to Mike Zabo here on this because we do have to to keep rolling. So, uh, Mike, I, I want to throw this to you. You know, the the big thing about Aaron Rodgers potentially going to Tampa, there's another little uh, you know marble that was thrown into the into the pot there because Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator in Green Bay, is now the head coach in Denver, and there's also some reports where uh, Aaron Rodgers may potentially it, it may not be good for him in Denver. Do you agree or disagree with that? And could that be a stoppage along the way for him in the hold Mile on. High City? Hold on, Joey, and hold on, Mike. I apologize. But it looks like Ian Schreier has come in to me and told me we we do have breaking news right now, and that is that Ken Dorsey has officially been named the offensive coordinator of the New York football Giants. The Giants have not only hired their head coach, they have now hired their offensive coordinator. 
right right this second. And I, I don't want to hold up too too much time here as we do have to get to a to a John Hendricks. But uh, breaking news right here as we are live here on the Eastern Observer, mm. Ken Dorsey named yeah. the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's yes. definitely a big deal as well. And pieces and pieces are coming in left and right with the Giants. I I'm telling you this the the Giants even when Joe Judge was hired was not pieces did not move this fast. Mike Zabo, let's go back to uh, to Nathaniel Hackett quickly. Well, I get the connection there with Nathaniel Hackett going over the OC. Uh, it used to be the OC at Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, uh, Denver, listen, if you're an NFL executive, hell, you want Aaron Rodgers to go to Denver. You get to put Patrick Holmes and, and, and versus Aaron Rodgers on national television twice. But if, I, if I'm him or anybody in his camp, God, no, I'm not going to Denver. Absolutely not. And people will mistake it for the fact of, oh, he's afraid. It's not that he's afraid. He's an MVP. He's a Hall of Fame guy. I mean, more people should be afraid that, oh, man, we have to contend with another great quarterback here. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm 37 years old. Tom Brady is an anomaly. He's a phenom. I'm 37 years old. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be playing. Why do I want to go into a division where I have to? To, yes, you get an extra spot now with the, the new playoff uh, expansion, but you, why would I want to go into a division where you have Patrick Mahomes to play twice a year, Justin Herbert to play twice a year? Derek Carr's Raiders always seem like they can play like God's greatest team for one game here or there and spoil you. So it's like, why do I want to go into that division? Or And then when you get into the playoffs, I got to go through Josh Allen or now Joe Burrow. And why do I want to do that? When in the NFC, I could have Tom Brady retiring, and who am I going through? Matthew Stafford? Dak Prescott? Uh, I'm taking anybody in the NFC all day. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, my teams, if Tom Brady is truly retiring, I'm going Tampa Bay, and I'm going San Francisco. Mm, Now that is a a pretty good good analogy. Or New Orleans. Well, San Francisco, and, and I'll be quick, San Francisco makes a lot of sense because lest we forget, Aaron Rodgers played his played his cow well, cow. He's originally from the San Francisco area. So I mean, that would make a whole lot of sense. And to pair him with an offensive-minded head coach like Kyle Shanahan, Mike, I mean, kudos to you on that. That 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 would be an outstanding move for the 49ers. There's no doubt about and, it. And he's 0-4 against the 49ers in the playoffs. <laughs> He, he had to go there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you're doing he you're, join him. So so basically you're saying you're gonna do what Kevin Durant would do, right? If you can't beat him, join him. Who cares? You get the championship. Who cares? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh that was a solid first half hour of our show, but uh let's not uh Let's not forget about our good fellow in uh, the lead writer and reporter for Saints News at Sports Illustrated and the host of Believe in Saints podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, John Hendricks. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a chance to chat with him earlier about the New Orleans Saints uh, and Sean Payton stepping down. So, of course, we will uh, tell you a little bit more about our, um, you know, our opinions on that in just a few short moments. Take a peek. Writer and reporter for Saints News at Sports Illustrated and the host of Believe in Saints on the Believe Podcast Network. John, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. We really appreciate you 
coming on here. Appreciate you guys having me. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, man, you as well. Thank you. And of course, you know, down in the Big Easy where you are, you're 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 lucky. You know, you don't have to deal with 20 inches of snow coming up here in the New York area. <laughs> but you know, all good things aside, uh, you know, you y- you had some news this week uh, down uh, down in New Orleans. You know, so many uh, head coaching rumors, and then all of a sudden, Sean Payton decides to step down as head coach. For you, you know, after after the uh, the regular season, things uh, things were, you know, it looked possible that the Saints could make the playoffs, but the Niners snuck in. Um, what did you get to to see here with with Sean Payton? Did you expect this? I, I don't think I would expect say I'd expect it, and um, you know, I think the biggest thing here is you start seeing some of the breadcrumbs, right? And I think when you go back in hindsight, it does make more sense, right? And so. Being that, you know, again, it's, it's, it comes up every year. I mean, it's come up for the past, I don't know, seven years. I mean, I, I'm being dead serious. Ever since he came back from suspension on Bounty Gate, I think after 2014, people were talking about Peyton leaving, 2015, 2016, 2017, all this stuff. It's been a nonstop thing. And it's like a broken clock is right at least twice a day, right? And so, I mean, there's certain oh, yeah. things that kind of let up. But you see what happened. Drew left last year. And, and again, that was a little bit crazy in itself. But just the things and, and Sean never said that, you know, this season was like, he wasn't burnt out. I mean, but I mean, my goodness, he, he suffered a lot, right. Team was displaced for a month going for hurricane Ida and up in Dallas. And they had to play their home opener in Jacksonville. They had 58 different starters, four different quarterbacks. I mean, they've had all to adjust to all this COVID stuff. I mean, I think that in itself has put a, a big damper, but he left the competition committee about November. And that was a little bit interesting there. Uh, to, to see him do that and just kind of step down and just kind of be kind of mum about it. But, you know, I, I think when you look at it and you start hearing hearsay type stuff, and then when people like Jay Glazer get on board, which Jay and, and Sean are really tight. So if it comes from Jay, you know, it's, it's legitimate that this is a potential possibility. And so once you got that news kind of on Monday and he kind of revealed some of that, that's when it felt a lot more real to me. And then Tuesday, it just kind of like shot out of a cannon to like just give you a, a thing of what happened with me. I mean, I'm sitting there. I got my I went to the gym, worked out, was in the store, all the stuff breaks and I got to get get ready, get going, do all this type of stuff. Got to go home real quick, shower, then turn around and go to the facility to catch the press conference at three. But, you know, it's a it's a wild thing. And, and you know, look, he, he stepped down from coaching. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Leaves the door open. But I will just tell you that. You know, we've seen people like Tony Dungy go into the booth and you've seen or broadcasting, you've seen, you know, those types of things are Bill Cower and they don't return to coaching. So I, I don't I can't tell you that Sean Payton's going to come back. I know he has an itch right now, but if you get him pay him 18 million dollars a year, you know, a little bit more than Romo's making to do broadcast TV. I don't think you're going to get him away out of that. Yeah. And the thing to me also is, is that, you know, we got a chance to hear this also when Aaron Rodgers lost too. you know, that he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild and something else that, you know, you look at courtesy of our friends at spot track that this New Orleans Saints team will be seventy one million dollars. And that's not a typo. Seventy one million dollars over the cap. Uh, once the uh, once the, the league year ends on February 13th or 14th on Valentine's Day, whatever it is. And, you know, that's that that that's really eye popping when you look at that, because you have other teams, you have like the Eagles, you have the Packers as well that are over the cap. But, you know, now is this something maybe that might have floated through Sean Payton's mind that, you know, I don't want to be a part of a full scale rebuild that we're going to have to 
release a ton of, you know, potential uh, big time players and, you know, be stuck with a dead cap for a few years or vice versa. What do you think uh, that could be? Was that maybe on his mind? I don't think so. I mean, I don't buy it at all because the thing is they've been operating like this for years. And so they were $100 million plus over last year. And that was only because of COVID and because the salary cap slash and they were able to maneuver through all of that. And so, again, you get a lot of the talking heads that make this such a big deal. And, and again, it is a big deal. But the thing is, this year, as opposed to last year, they have less free agents they have to deal with. And really, the way their contracts are set up, you can pretty much get under the cap without having to cut anybody. And what I mean by that is you can turn some of these roster bonuses into signing bonuses. Then you push money down the line. Again, it's everybody talks about the bill comes due, but the cap's expected to rise in 2023. So that bodes well for them. The only dead money they're having to deal with right now is $11.5 million for Drew Brees in, in the way those things are the voidable years and those types of things set up. And then if they can't get a deal done with Teron Armstead before he hits free agency in March, it's going to be, a, you know, a $13 million charge. But, you know, look, you look at high contracts, they have like Lattimore, uh, Thomas, Ramchek, they can move that money around. I mean, that's not going to be a surprise. So again, you look at the salary cap situation, they've done it for years, Mickey Loomis and Kai Harley. And they Loomis spoke to us today. He said, look, we're not blowing this thing up. We're not rebuilding. Nobody's doing a fire sale. So anybody that has these notions that Kamara is going to get traded to your team, you, you can pretty much stop. That's not happening. So again, they're going to try to fill the roster. And I think, you know, they've got a good core intact to be able to be contenders. They've got some major questions to answer, though, like at the quarterback and wide receiver spot and maybe some things on the offensive line because that defense, I mean, you're only presumably losing two starters. Marcus Williams, you can franchise tag. Quan Alexander would be the other one. But I think Pete Warner could be that guy to take that spot. But, you know, I think they're going to try to keep Quan because he loves being here. Well, and you brought up about the quarterback question. You know, now my my last one before I throw it to the guys to, uh, to our right here, uh, you know, is Taysom Hill the answer? Is it Jameis Winston? Who is who? Who's the answer? Do you think, or is it somebody else out there? I don't think anybody that's on the roster right now is the answer. And you know, I say that loosely because you got Taysom Hill. Got to remember, he's coming off a Les Frank injury, so I it's surgery now. So I don't think he's going to be ready by week one. I'd be very shocked if he gets to that. And again, he could could potentially do something there, right? But. The other quarterbacks you have are Ian Book, and everybody saw that, what happened against the <laughs> Dolphins. That's not fair to, to assess them based off that, but it's not a good look. And right. then you got Blake Bortles because of a reserve future deal. Now, Jameis Winston, I could see them bringing him back and you know upgrading the talent around him. I think that's the best course of action for him because the Saints wide receivers, they were just – I say this loosely, but they're pathetic. They were pathetic last year. I mean, they, they just weren't consistent, you know? And it's easy for me to say that, but the proof's in the numbers and the production too, but – you know, and, and the good news about Winston is he's only coming off the ACL injury and he looks great in his rehab. You know, he didn't have the MCL damage like they thought he did and required surgery. So that bodes well that he's just coming back from ACL injury, which is serious. But I think he's making steps in the right direction. But the other thing is you got to remember other teams are going to need quarterbacks. You got Steelers out there. They're going to need a quarterback. I don't know if Matt Ryan's going to stay on with the Falcons. They move in a different direction. That could be potential. If Las Vegas is really going to try to entertain trading Derek Carr, you know, that's another thing to look at. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo on the move, you know, there's going to be some other teams that are going to need quarterbacks too. So it's not just the Saints. 
they do have some upside there in Kamara, Ingram, Michael Thomas, Marquez Callaway. They got some good building pieces, if you will, and a good offensive line to be able to protect. But, you know, they got to kind of swing for the fences here. But, again, I, I, I got to tell you, I think Taysom did a good job. I think he had a really good uh, time, much better than what he did a year before. And I, I think he can evolve and do better. But, again, you know, you got to upgrade the weapons around him, first of all, and to give him even a chance. But, Again, I don't think he's a long-term answer. He's he's let's put it this way. You watch the Bills and Chiefs games, he's not doing what Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen did and that <laughs> craziness. It's just not happening. Rob DeLuca, go ahead. Yeah, John, thanks again for coming on. Um, let's let's follow up with that one a little bit. So you, you you talked about how you don't think anyone's the answer. Do you see anyone around the league? You know, there's a lot of quarterback names out there that are likely they're gonna dip into free agency or want to be traded from their respective teams do you see one of those being the answer like a Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers something like that maybe I mean it's possible and the thing is so I thought before Peyton left that Russell Wilson would have been an opportunity and again if you look at the history of the Saints first round picks giving two first round picks over the next two years it's not it's nothing it's a no-brainer decision and you add some extra things in there to get them but you know, I don't know if that's going to be on the table because Pete Carroll's, you know, pretty much going to stay. And I think they're going to try to at least do something retool. I don't think they're going full rebuild mode, but, you know, it'll be interesting because if Russ wants to, to move, he's he's got the right to say, you know, I want to waive my no trade clause. And, you know, um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is obviously another one. I don't know if he's going to be in Green Bay. I, you know, that's an interesting Ooh. one as well. And then when you look at other quarterbacks, I mean, a lot of people don't really talk about Deshaun Watson as much, but. You know, if they can get this legal stuff solved, I mean, man, this guy would fit in great in the Saints offense. And, you know, I look, I think they at least make their calls, do their due diligence to find something as far as an upgraded quarterback. You know, I don't know if going to the draft is completely the answer. I mean, you've got some some talent there. I think that, you know, like, you know, Kenny Pickett from Pitt is, is obviously an interesting one, but Again, I don't know if that's the answer that you say, hey, the Saints team with the way their offense is ran and as complex as it is, you don't put a rookie necessarily in there to be able to do it. But maybe some of that is, I don't say dumbed down, but a little bit different now that Sean's not there and it's going to be Pete Carmichael's show to run. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So I was gonna, I was going to ask about the uh, potential coaching shows, but you believe it'll be uh, Carmichael that, that ultimately takes the uh, reins in New Orleans there? Well, he's going to do the offense, and so I think when you look at the coaching moves, I, I obviously Dennis Allen's your front runner. That makes the most sense because if Dennis Allen gets promoted, you could promote a defensive coordinator. You know, Chris Richard was drawing interest from the Ravens; they filled that spot. He's also got an interest from the Steelers. That remains to be seen as well. But you know, again, it allows you to potentially promote within for your defensive coordinator spot. Put somebody like him or Ryan Nielsen there. It gives a chance to Pete Carmichael to call the plays. I mean, again, it's their staff and, you know, their assistants and their coaching staff is pretty much has zero to, to no turnover. You know what I mean? It's, it's little to none there. And so I think the other candidates are interesting. You know, Brian Flores is, is super interesting. I think Byron Leftwich is extremely interesting. You know, I think the only thing you might think about is Byron Leftwich's offense. You know, he went up against Dennis Allen a plenty of times and Allen pretty much got the best of him. So I think that might be a little bit interesting if he were to get selected first. Aaron Glenn, look, I know he's a player coach um, and he's doing some pretty good things in Detroit. You know, I think he's going to get his shot pretty much in time. I don't think that's realistic that he would be the coach. So if you tell me now, it's got to be Dennis Allen. And I think it kind of picks up where he left off and he's going to be able to put his own stamp into things. 
Yeah. Last one from me. Let's, let's just look at it from a sentimental t- type of thing. What's it going to be like for you specifically, you know, all these years covering the saints and you're not going to be talking to Sean Payton for the first time, potentially of your career. You know, you're a, yo- you're a young guy. It's probably been Sean Payton ever since you got there. So what's, what's that going to be like for you personally? Yeah, I think it was weird. So I'll, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. Cause you know, I travel, I cover games and all that. So I, uh, all of those, it was weird enough to go through COVID season in 2020 and, and there's no fans. It was even weirder covering a team that didn't have Drew Brees. And now it's going to be even weirder not having Sean Payton being the guy there. Um, you know, Sean's, Sean's been great. And the thing is, I know a lot of people, they think they have a stigma about Sean and all this. I mean, there's the thing. He comes from the Parcells coaching tree. I mean, he's just a guy that, you know, you learn that if you don't have a smart question, just don't ask it because Sean's going to put it back on you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things the way he does it. And, you know, again, I, there's a ton of respect for him. I think he's great. You know, when they were going through the seven and nine years during 2014 and 2016, I was one of the people that was on the bandwagon of, man, he's got to stay. And But people around him have to go. And that's what ended up ultimately happened. But, you know, again, it's it's just a different space to be in now with a new coach and, you know, again, we got to see a little bit of a different coach because Dennis Allen was in the picture, you know, in that interim game uh, for for Tampa and such. So, I again, I think it's super weird because that's pretty much all Saints fans have known for the past 15, 16 years. And so now it's going to be different. And so um, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, but yet I think it's also challenging and fun in that aspect to where you don't know really what to expect. Mike Zabo, go ahead. Yeah, so, John, we talked about the head coaching, kind of what the options are going to be there. Um, Last year, we, of course, heard the Russell Wilson rumors. That may be, you know, up in the air, of course, now with with Sean Payton going. But last year, they weren't as aggressive, maybe looking at a quarterback because they knew they had some internal options they wanted to examine then. This year, we saw it. It wasn't great. How aggressive – will they be in trying to go after some of these quarter? There's going to be a number of quarterbacks that could be moving around given the fact that there's the potential that Tom Brady may retire. There's a lot of flux within side within the division. So there could be a chance to really jump up very quickly next year. Yeah. I think here's the way I look at it between wide receiver and quarterback. You have no excuse to not get better. That's just the way I look at it, especially in a wide receiver department. I mean, there are some premier free agents that are coming available. And so, I mean, you got to get something going because I mean, their passing attack was was the worst. I mean, it was them and the Giants right there at the at the worst. And and so, you know, again, that's it's crazy because again, I think it goes back to the quarterback battle between Winston Hill and even going into that. I kept telling people, I said, you know, Winston's pretty much got a ninety eight chance percent percent to win this thing. And you know, again, it's it's his job to lose. And I think Winston was just hitting his stride and catching on to things. It wasn't a perfect product, but it was good. He was doing a lot of good things and he carries himself extremely well, a completely different player than what was at Tampa. And so, look, I, I was a Winston supporter and I wish he would have stayed around. I mean, injuries are an unfortunate part of the game, but they're also part of the game. And so, you know, I, I really think with him a full season, especially if he had Mike Thomas in there, that would have been so, so good to see, you know what I mean? But unfortunately we're not going to. And now the decision is, you know, do you roll the dice and bring somebody like him? And then essentially you're going to go into this season with the same thing of what you got, you know, with the exception of being, you know, Trevor Simeon versus Blake Bortles. And, you know, I don't know if Bortles is a guy that's going to stick around. I was kind of surprised that Simeon stuck around. But as the season progressed and everything unfolded, I could see why. And so, 
look again, it's a, a different territory. They have to get better quarterback. I mean, and again, I just put it in this frame references. The defense is great. Defense is fantastic. If they can play lights out like they did against Tampa and some of these other teams, that goes a long way, but you still got to put points up on the board. And so if they don't have a, a, a quarterback that can move it in the two minute drill, that can strike quickly, that the receivers can't get open or anything. I mean, you have no idea how jealous I am covering this team and looking at teams like Dallas, they played that had Michael Gallup, CD lamb and Amari Cooper, or, you know, the bucks obviously had Godwin, Mike Evans and Antonio Brown before all that foolishness. And, you know, just these trios that you see around the leagues and the saints just don't stack up there. And so I think that was a big part of why their offense struggled. They don't have a tight end presence like a, a Travis Kelsey, you know, Adam Troutman was supposed to make a big leap. He didn't make it. And, um, you know, it was just a struggle bus really on offense is a hard product to watch, but their defense kept them in way more games than they should have been. And, you know, again, you look at the quarterback being a super important position and, you know, yes, it's a team game, but you have an elite quarterback that's, that's upper echelon. I mean, it could do wonders for your team. So now I'll, I'll leave this here with the last two questions for you, John. And, for me, Dennis Allen, as you said, and, and from what we've heard throughout all of the media, that Dennis Allen is right now the front runner. He's the defensive coordinator. He's been there for a while. Now, does something maybe that you brought up, and you brought up other positions, tight end, we didn't see Jared Cook, obviously. He was there for a while, cost too much money. Wide receivers, not 100% there. Emmanuel Sanders left. Uh, and, and now there's only Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith. I can't even name any other. But the thing to me, though, is is that do they go after somebody that's not too flashy in terms of a name and a name that rings a bell to a lot of Saints writers and fans, and I think DeLuca knows exactly who I'm going to say, is Teddy Bridgewater. Do they go after him because maybe Denver is on their way up and there could maybe be a quarterback battle in New Orleans with – Jameis Winston when he comes back or Taysom Hill, Blake Bortles, as you said, and maybe why not throw Teddy Bridgewater into the mix? He did pretty well before he got hurt. Uh, and then also in Carolina, he he's always been underrated ever since he came back from, uh, from it, from that gruesome knee injury in Minnesota. Yeah. And look, I think it's a valid point just because, and I will also just even while you were talking about wild cards, you know, one of the things I throw out for saints coaching position that, you know, not a lot of people are talking about is Doug Peterson. That could be a potential wild card that's in play for the Saints. But, you know, going back to your question about quarterback, I mean, look, you know, Teddy did well while he was here, you know, especially given the circumstances. I think um, he's beloved among our fan base. You know, again, you look at him, fans have nothing but love for him when he went to Carolina, nothing but love for him when he went to Denver. I think at this point, Teddy believes he still wants to start and still can start for a team. I don't know if it's a reunion with New Orleans. You know, again, um, some things have changed since he's been there. You know, Joe Book, uh, Joe Lombardi is not there. Joe Brady, all those guys that were kind of around him. I mean, that's that's a big difference too for them to have. And so, I, I don't know if Bridgewater would be a, a, a viable reunion. Again, I expect him to check and do all those things because if I had to choose between him and, and Winston, I definitely would go Winston. You know almost hundred percent of the time. And so I think they have an option to get him. Um, but it's also going to be interesting because again, there's so much quarterback movement that's going around. You know, I, again, I, if Brady hangs it up, who comes quarterback of the bucks, you know, they're going to be scrambling. You know, I think I said Matt Ryan earlier, you know, I don't know what Atlanta does with them or somebody, some team's going to use him as a stopgap, you know, or potentially, I mean, there's plenty of people that are going to come available in addition to this draft class that's coming in that, 
you know, you're just going to have to make an evaluation and figure it out. And again, I, I just look at what the Saints have on the roster, the free agents, Jameis Winston, and then now you have no no really excuses to to get better, you know, and, and you have to improve that wide receiving core. I mean, it's just a given. Right. And that's why and, and that's why actually why I brought up about about Teddy Bridgewater, because, you know, you may not have to spend that much money to get him and then maybe improve in other places with uh, with some high high priced. Uh, well, not high priced free agents, uh, but, you know, spread the wealth, if you will, uh, across that roster. Sixteen seasons as the head coach for Sean Payton, 10 winning seasons, nine playoff appearances, seven NFC South titles and three NFC championship appearances. And of course, Super Bowl 44 champion in 2006 as well as AP coach of the year in 2006. John, I got to I got to leave you with this here. This upcoming weekend, amazing games, a pair of amazing conference championship games. Who do you got? Well, I tell you in my heart, I, I got to root for Joe Burrow because, I mean, I'm a big LSU fan. But realistically, I think the Chiefs aren't going to let him get another one on them. So I, I, I got to take Kansas City, Mahomes and them. I mean, whatever funk they were in earlier in the year, I mean, they figured it out completely. So playing up in Arrowhead, I don't think <laughs> – I don't know what team would go in and, and really beat them. Buffalo had the best chance, and I think as close as anybody will get. So I got to take Kansas City. Now in the NFC – that's a tough one because I, I think the Rams are probably the favorite, but man, San Francisco is just playing with a lot of grit, no quit. You know, they're just, they're one of those teams. And, you know, I, I thought the saints could be in that position if they just got in, because I think it feels almost parallel to the giants when they made it as a wild card and came up as, is that, you know, one of the lower seeds and, you know, for the 49ers, it's it, in any NFL team. It's not how good you do during the year. You can go 15 and 0 or 16 and 0, 17 and 0 now, and then you know playoffs, you're one and done. And we saw that happen to Brady. You saw that happen to Rodgers. I mean, it's just crazy. Derrick Henry and the Titans. I mean, nobody really thought and saw that coming. But you know, that's what you live for in the NFL. Is it's really all about that one game, game plan, execution. You know, again, you tip the scales and look at those matchups that the road team tends to have the favorite, you know, spot in that particular matchup. I still got to go with San Francisco. I just think they they can figure it out. Kyle Shanahan and the way they use Devo Samuel. Look, the Rams are vulnerable, I think. And, you know, Matt Stafford got over the hump of of really doing well and and getting playoff win under his belt and such. Um, But, you know, now I I feel like this is the spotlight. And I don't know if the the time's going to – time bombs are going to tick out for him and, you know, turn back from Cinderella, if you will, and if you know what I mean. But, you know, I got to take San Francisco. So I feel like they're the team that can really move on in advance here. Yeah, we'll have to see if uh, if L.A. could become the second team to – uh, have to be in a Super Bowl in their own building. That would be something. Ladies and gentlemen, John Hendricks, lead writer and reporter for Saints News at Sports Illustrated and the host of Believe in Saints on the Believe Podcast Network. John, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Unmute your mic. There we go. There we go. Sorry about that. Yes. Uh, John Hendricks, very good guy, of course, as we brought up early on. Um, you know, talking about the Saints, talking about Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues in New Orleans. And as we brought up about $77 million there, um, 
yes, they have been doing this for a long time, but again, in in new NFL times, it's going to be very difficult, and we will see what the next era of New Orleans football looks like down in the Big Easy. Guys, let's keep on moving forward here just because we are on a time constraint. Of course, there's so much to talk about here on this Friday night. We yearn for this breaking news stuff. We yearn for this, uh, for the recaps, for the previews. This is absolutely fantastic. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, alongside my guys Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, and Mike Zabo, I'm Joey Jarzinka. Cannot thank you all enough for joining us. And if you are listening to us on the following platforms on Google Play, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Odyssey, we cannot thank you enough uh, for listening to us and don't have to see all of our ugly faces on YouTube. So very good stuff. Thank you for being a part of our uh, of our Friday night. Guys, let's uh, keep moving forward here. We got a chance to see uh, a brutal contest, Cincinnati and Tennessee, that was really not, you know, not not one that was lived up to the hype. And I know DeLuca's shaking his head there. Didn't really want to talk about this one. But yeah, I-, I mean, look, look, Joey, I'll, I'll, you should, uh, it's it was a it was a it was a tough game to watch. It was boring, you know. It wasn't a good game, you know. And ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, that's what we got most of divisional weekend outside of one game, which we will get to, I'm sure, last because you saved the best for last. So, Wait, all right. Well, well, you just said the whole weekend was boring. Outside, outside, outside of the final game, it wasn't that exciting. Maybe the maybe the last two games, but the fir- the first three two games were decided on a game-winning field goal, and the other was a an all-time shootout. Yeah, I'm not talking about those games. I'm talking about the first two games we have to discuss. It's on the list of the prompt. If you'd read the prompt, as Joey and I know, our <laughs> have, a have a little problem with reading things. It wasn't so, that bad. nonetheless. <laughs> if I may continue without being rudely interrupted by my fellow Italian Mike Zabo, the Cincinnati Tennessee game was very underwhelming. It was it but I, unlike most of my co-hosts, did pick the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'll flex that one. Unlike most of your co-hosts. Unlike most of your co-hosts, I think three of the four of us had Cincinnati. Yeah, I was the only one who picked Tennessee. <laughs> And, look, and, and he also said, again, you know? and he also said that that one was going to be a Derrick Henry washout. Let's keep that in mind really, too. Did he really? Can, can I go next? I, forget, I was unfortunately absent due to my other commitments. But if that's what he said, then I have to. Then I'm going to flex on Mike all for the next two minutes right here. Like I don't know what you were thinking that. Derrick Henry with a fake foot, basically, was going to come into this game and actually perform to the Derrick Henry level that everyone is accustomed to after missing half the season. It, it, this had tightened the season. What? He was out in like week 14. What are you talking about? This had Titans choke written all over it. All over it. It well, was, it's very funny. You know, it, that was going to happen. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because, again, just like what I was telling you about my pages of notes here, uh, Tennessee is 5-10 and 10 all time in the divisional round, 1-4 and four at home. So there you go. Yeah, just the ultimate choke. I mean, the, uh, Ryan Tannehill proved why he's not the answer for the Tennessee Titans at quarterback. If Derrick Henry's not there, the Titans suffer, and there's a reason for that. It's because they don't have a capable guy throwing the football. So there's a lot of questions to be answered for the Tennessee Titans. You get the number one seed in the AFC, and in your first contest against a team you're supposed you're better than in the Cincinnati Bengals, and you blow it. 
But then again, I do not want to discredit the Cincinnati Bengals. A great game from Joe Burrow, despite being sacked nine times. Lord, help this man on Sunday because that, that Kansas City defense is likely going to do the same thing, if not more, to, to him. So prayers up for Joe Burrow. I'm shocked he's not dead already. But let's talk what we don't, what doesn't get enough credit is that rookie kicker, Evan McPherson. What a leg this kid has. Although I will say, I don't necessarily appreciate the, the already comments of, oh, we've got the next Adam Vinatieri here in this kid. All right, like, let's calm down. He's 22 years old. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit, but yes, he's proving to be a very good kicker so far. So it wasn't the best of games, but congrats to the Bengals. And they're going to need the good luck next week, uh, this weekend. Yeah, there's no doubt because you look at what the Tennessee Titans did against the Bengals, and regardless of the 19-16 score, the Titans' defense had nine sacks, which was tied for the most sacks in a playoff game in the NFL since at least 1960. That's really unbelievable to see uh, what Joe Burrow was still able to do, though. He was still able to put up, I believe, over 300 yards, 348 yards, 28 of 40, of thir- 28 of 37, excuse me, uh, and just one interception. In addition to, remember, we continuously bring up about how Jamar Chase picked that first-round draft pick for his former LSU teammate, in Jamar Chase was a very, very controversial pick at the time because offensive the offensive line of Cincinnati was just so porous. But guess what? It turned out to be really good, and now we are beginning to see that offensive line take a toll down in the playoffs, and we can only imagine what Cincinnati's top priority is going to be come 2022. Uh, the offensive line most likely will be number one because every other piece looks pretty, pretty, pretty good. Ian Schreier. <laughs> You know, I was going to start out by, uh, you know, uh, ragging on Zabo, Zabo for uh, his prediction of this game is going to be a blowout. It's not going to be close. But I think I think DeLuca already hit on that note. So, Mike, I'll let you go there. But uh, um, going back to a whole point on uh, with, with uh, Cincinnati and I'll get back to Tennessee is um, I thought that the key for Tennessee and what was really going to make the difference in the game, even though I was questioning everything about Derrick Henry coming in just strictly because of his injury. Um, was were they going to be able to limit Joe Mixon on the ground? And if they were able to limit Joe Mixon on the ground, put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands for 60 minutes, um, was he going to lead this team to a victorious effort on the road? And and, and he was. I mean, look, Jamar Chase went off for 100-plus. I mean, Joe Mixon was held to 54 yards on the ground. Yeah, he had the touchdown, but like <laughs> 14 carries for 54 yards for a guy who, you know, a lot of their offense um, runs through behind a very porous offensive line. Um but to uh, DeLuca's point about Tannehill, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's been my problem with Tannehill for a while. Uh, that's been my problem with Tennessee as a one seed for a while. I mean, look at the a look at the division that they played in for much of the year. I mean, you you, you almost have four guaranteed wins. Um, and sure, you want to count Indy as one of the wins. So almost five guaranteed wins out of that division. Um, I've been saying for weeks now that the NFL coach, the AFC coach of the year, is Zach Taylor and not Mike Vrabel. Um, I've had problems with Tennessee all year. I mean, I'm, you really Ryan, have. Ryan, you know, Ryan Tannehill. Right. Ryan, Ryan, he really has, right? Like, Ryan Tannehill has not has not has not looked good. Did not look good all year. I mean, he he underwhelmed all season long, and and this is a team that rides the back of Derrick Henry continually, and understandably so. I mean, the guy's an MVP caliber running back. Um, but to 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 put the weight on, and and I think we. You know, we the three of us when we were here last week, Joey, myself, and Mike, we had said, you know, Julio Jones is back, AJ Brown is back. I think the game's going to be close. The game was close, but Tannehill's still underwhelmed, and I think 
um, Derrick Henry's injury made the most significant of difference. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. My goodness. You, you bring that up also about the number one seed too. Again, looking in a handy dandy notebook, Tennessee's 0 three in the playoffs as the number one seed since 1975. That is definitely something big. And we brought this up too last week with Mike too. Uh, you Mike down just below me about with Julio Jones. We brought up about AJ Brown, really how everything with Tannehill uh, has really mirrored his time lately. His numbers may not show it, but has mirrored his time in Miami. Uh, it was not a good, a good season for him. It, and, and you got to see it down the stretch. It, it simply, it was not good. Um, you know, I, I just, it's very difficult to, to, to put your hand on what the problem is, uh, with Tannehill. Is he still technically a first round bust? Uh, is he, is there another dimension of the offense that we have not seen from Mike Vrabel and from Tannehill and from all of the, uh, wide receivers that they've got there, the, the crop of wide receivers and, and really receivers as a whole that they've got there. I don't know really where to go with Tennessee. If they can't get it now, when are they going to get it when every other team is just getting better? And keep in mind, too, they made the one seed by the skin of their teeth because Cincinnati was just right behind them in addition to Kansas City as well. Um, and also, of course, with New England as well, there were the one the one to four seeds guys was so close together in the AFC this uh, this past season that it really made for good football. Um, Mike, I'll end Cincinnati and Tennessee off with you here. You had Tennessee winning in a near blowout, and um, yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, right. sir. <laughs> they should they should this game down, like... just because Ryan Tannehill couldn't find the damn pass. And they were in that, and Derrick Henry Henry was doing enough on the you ground. Sound like you sound like a lot of Dolphins fans, Mike. A lot of Dolphins fans sound like that too. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Ship his ass yeah, but out. The problem was last year, Tannehill rebuilt his reputation as one of the more accurate quarterbacks. He he started to I don't know find this rejuvenation in his career and and tail off the interceptions. Be a really accurate quarterback. Be able to move the chains. And this year, I, I don't know what's happened. That's all just fallen off. He's become mistake-prone once again, uh, inconsistent, really, like you said, is defined to his time in Miami. And it, it's really strange. It's a really strange case. I mean, they did everything they needed to in order to win that game, except that that quarterback just couldn't make one or two throws here to put him over. Yeah, it's really, it's really a shame to see what – um, had gone on there in Tennessee where, again, they just simply cannot get out of their own way come the playoffs, and especially in the divisional round. You saw Deonta Foreman. You saw Derrick Henry combined for 24 carries for a grand total of just 88 yards. That's really a, a, a tough thing when you've got, you know, A.J. Brown pulling his weight, uh, five receptions, 142 yards. He was the only one with one touchdown. But as you brought up, Mike, with that, with, with what Tannehill had, three interceptions. He he's he's got to find a way to get over that hump uh, past that wild card round. Guys, let's keep moving forward here when it comes to the recap of last week's divisional round games and San Francisco Green Bay. That was something that we got a chance to talk with Kyle Madsen about, of course, uh, our good friend from out west uh, from the Niners Wire USA Today SMG group and. San Francisco won 13 to 10 in a shocking stunner, Rob DeLuca. That was absolutely insane. Jimmy Garoppolo lives another day in the Bay Area. 
And all of a sudden, the Aaron Rodgers rumors will begin to pick up as of last week. What did you see in that contest? Not a whole lot, if we're being honest. <laughs> another, another snooze fest, really. I mean, it was Ugh. just not. I mean, look, just because the game's close doesn't make it exciting. Ugh. So Ugh. that's the simple as that. of that. He's, not, he's not wrong about this game. Uh, I mean, am I, exactly. Some at least someone gets where I'm coming from. Like, my God, this game was terrible from start to finish, and it just ended. It was only exciting because it was. It came down to the last couple seconds again, and another last second field goal. It was a, Great thing that the upset happened. I mean, look, I, I find it hilarious that the Packers choked in Green Bay once again to San Francisco, no less. Aaron Rodgers apparently just can't figure out San Francisco. 0-4 against yeah. them in the playoffs. It's just absolutely crazy to have a stat like that. That one team is can give you that much grief in the playoffs. It's it's astounding. And honestly, Without a quarterback, mind you. Right, yeah. I mean, look, Jimmy G is Jimmy G's playing like he trying to play for his life here. He knows he's not going back to San Francisco next year, so he he's got to show some value around here, around this league, and that's exactly what he's doing. I mean, look, he's in the conference championship now against the team that the San Francisco 49ers have a very easy time handling the past few years. So it's gonna be a very interesting NFC Championship game on Sunday. So. Yeah. I, I would not count out the Niners. We'll get to we'll obviously talk about the championship game in a little bit. So I won't go too much into that. But overall, I saw I saw some good I saw a lot of shutdown defense from the San Francisco 49ers that we really didn't expect to see. And I think that they are forced to be reckoned with right now. Uh-huh. And you know, Jimmy G's playing like there's no tomorrow for him. And technically there's not, at least in San Francisco. So yeah. it was a good game. I mean, in terms of the final score, and they're 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 there, and Green Bay is not. Not much more you could really say about the game. I'm- San Francisco won nine out of their last eleven after starting the season three and five. And something else too is that Aaron Rodgers was sacked five times. Um, and and this is another statistic that has to be brought up, which I won't bring. Uh, I'll still bring it up now, but it's definitely something that is noteworthy. There is a linebacker in San Francisco by the name of Samson Ibukam, who's got six sacks in his last seven games, and we will tell you later on why that is relevant in the conference championship talks. But that is big, especially when he and Fred Warner lead the way on defense. Mike Zabo, uh, San Francisco Green Bay, this was, again, we had a chance to talk with Kyle last week. He was not, uh, uh, he, he was not confident with that contest. He thought Green Bay was going to come out on top. We were all wrong. We had Green Bay on top. I mean, we just jinxed them all. We just jinxed Green Bay <laughs> completely because we went on a 30-minute, uh, you know, just crapping on Jimmy G. And, and, you know, not that he played well, but, you know, the, the 49ers won. So, of course, wow, we jinxed them all. So, uh, I mean, this – even though they've won, what did you say, nine out of their last 11? I mean, yeah. these last two games in the, in the, in the playoffs, I mean – uh, Jimmy G's been trying to do everything he's could to get them home and out of the playoffs and get himself a ticket out of San Francisco pretty quickly. I mean, what was the stat line? 11 uh, for 19, 131 yards and an interception? I mean, yeah, my and God. A, yeah. And give, a 57 Give the MVP trophy to that defense. I mean, no. stressful can't even begin to sum up what the 49ers fans were going through that. 
he was trying to do everything to to lose that game for the uh, for the team. I mean, your offense was two field goals and a block punt return for a touchdown. I mean, it's embarrassing that Aaron Rodgers lost a game at home. I don't care if it's snowing or not. You live in a tundra. Like, get used to that. Like, <laughs> you've been there for ten plus years. That's not an excuse. I, I mean, it, it, it's how embarrassing you have a, pl- a playoff game at home against a, a team that. I mean, if not for their incredible defense, should not have even been in that game the way their quarterback and offense was playing. And it's, again, that you can't get over the hump. It's really embarrassing for uh, uh, the caliber of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is in the regular season that he's had these last two years. And then in this big game at home, everything's set up for you and can't get it done. Yeah, and and something else too, Mike, is is that he did not have his left tackle, David Bakhtiari, as well. That was another big deal too. He didn't have him in the wild card game. He did not have him uh, in the divisional round as well. But we can't really put too much emphasis on that, just because again, you're you haven't played with Bakhtiari until Week 17 against Detroit, and they lost that game. So it really doesn't even matter uh, with that. He's an All Pro left tackle, but at the same time, though, again, these this this offensive line that continues to rotate for. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, it just continues to show that these guys are Swiss cheese. It's really not good. Aaron Rodgers has been sacked 13 times in four career playoff games against San Francisco. That's the most against any playoff opponent in his career. And also something else, too, despite Aaron Rodgers being sacked five times, he had a 91.9 passer rating, which is still good. He was able to to uh, to to. Uh, to get it on target. And also another stat, which is really nuts too, guys, the 49ers are seven and five all time in the playoffs against number one seeds. Well, they got a, got a positive record against, uh, against green Bay, Ian Schreier, uh, for you now, uh, you know, San Francisco, green Bay, uh, you know, another game that as DeLuca said was a snooze fest. I thought a lot of the game, I don't disagree with DeLuca. As I said before, I thought a lot of the game, was decided after that first drive because when you look at that first Green Bay drive and the way they just marched down the field, it seemed like every third down the ball was going to Devontae Adams. It seemed like Adams was going to go off. Uh, like when we had Kyle Madsen on, you expected him to go off for about 200 yards and a couple of TDs. And um, after that opening drive, which we saw uh, A.J. Dillon uh, punch in from from the goal line um, to give to state the Packers that early 7 nothing lead, you thought – this was going to be it. Green Bay was not going to lose um, the way they were playing. I mean, right off the bat, I mean, they just looked comfortable. Rodgers looked comfortable. Um, and and it seemed like just after that, I, I, and I don't know if this is a credit to the San Francisco defense or just, you know, or, or kind of, you know, kind of passing a little bit of blame on, on, on maybe the game plan offensively uh, because it looked like they just went away from Devonte Adams. And, and I don't know if that that's a credit to the San Francisco secondary, or if that's, or if that's really a, um, a demerit on the off, you know, on the, on the green Bay offense as a whole. So um, that, that piece was, was concerning and granted they certainly got Aaron Jones um, involved um, in the passing game. I mean, there was a chance for Mason Crosby to kick a field goal that he missed. Um, th- there was just a lot of pieces of that game that, um, didn't add up to me. I mean, look, I, I I sat here till I was blue in the face this time last year and said, listen, I'm, I don't care about Aaron Rodgers' um, playoff record. The man's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And and after this past week, last weekend, I, I'm not trying to say I'm concerned about his Hall of Fame status, but like it, it really it really puts a lot into perspective about Aaron Rodgers' career in the playoffs and the fact that when the games matter most, does he show up? And I, I, I don't know if it was just 
you know, the front seven, again, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to this point because I th- think it bears repeating. Is it, is it the front, is it the San Francisco front seven or was it just a poor, a, a piss poor game plan by the green Bay Packers? I don't know, to be quite honest with you. Um, so, I mean, I know we're going to get into, into further discussion about the Rams and the 49ers for this weekend, but um, look, give credit where credit's due. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't win that game. The San Francisco defense did, or yeah. maybe Aaron Rodgers did for them. But um, the fact that Rodgers lost at home at Lambeau, potentially his last year, maybe potentially at Lambeau playing for the Packers, all, all these things adding up that you just made you feel that this was the year that, that Aaron Rodgers was finally going to win his second title. It didn't happen. And it was just very underwhelming. Yeah. That's definitely something that uh, to keep an eye out as well, whenever he, or if he does command a trade, he obviously still has another year under his uh, contract, which could definitely make it very difficult for teams to send uh, what the Packers might want and why, because once he gets into the playoffs, he's not the same quarterback that he is in the regular season. So that might shy a few teams away. Uh, ones that are potentially ready to give up a, uh, an arm and a leg for this first ballot hall of famer. Uh, Ian brought up a point about, you know, the last, however many years with Aaron Rodgers. you know, he's, 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 it's not the same come playoff time. And I think also for Green Bay, too, I, I believe Ian brought this up last week about how Lambeau Field uh, might not be the same as it used to be, like the House of Horrors. Um, this is another wild stat, too, that uh, NFL.com provided us, and we really appreciate that, too. Green Bay has seven home playoff losses over the last 20 seasons. That's a lot when normally you go into Lambeau Field and you are frightened. You are frightened to play in the tundra of Green Bay, Wisconsin, when it's negative 10 degrees as a wind chill. Uh, Guys, I want to go as a quick rapid fire here and go around uh, the room here and see what your thoughts are. Is Lambeau Field the same home field advantage as it used to be the house of horrors. Can they, can Pete, can green Bay get a home playoff win um, in, in, in Wisconsin? Can it happen? DeLuca, we'll start with you first. I mean, of course it can happen. Anything can happen. Sure. To answer that first question. I mean, sure. The Packers can win another home game there in the playoffs. Eventually. Is it, it is it harder? Is it easier? Is it's it, it's definitely is not, it what not it, a no, lot it's, it's it's not what it used to be. You know, it just seems it just seems like the fandom of of football as a whole is a lot less than it used to be. So it it feels like that the the passion that once was, especially in Green Bay, is gone. So it's it's definitely not that much of a, it. It's definitely not that much of an advantage anymore. The weather pl- seems to play more of a factor these days than 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 any sort of fandom at this point. So I'll that so I'll say I'll say yeah it's definitely not the same Joey, Mike. Yeah, I think I mean like Rob said I mean I think they can win there, but I'm it's I don't think it's as big of a fortress as it used to be. It's just other teams come in. Maybe they're smarter head coaches nowadays. The league has changed um, offensively. You know the, the, uh, they're able to just scheme better for the weather, um, or maybe they just lucky that there's not a lot of playoff games lately that have extremely bad weather. Um, I know the, the game last week had really bad snow toward the second half. I mean, in its last couple of years, that hadn't really happened that you had some really bad weather at Lambeau yeah. just happened, you know, per chance. Um, so it's not the fortress that it used to be. I think it's really insane that the Green Bay Packers have had 
think about it, they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers back-to-back as quarterbacks. So you basically had Hall of Fame-level quarterback play for almost the last 30 years, and you have one title to show for it. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that is uh, eye popping. Ian, we've got about thirty seconds. It, it, I don't think that's an easy question to answer, Joey. To be quite honest with you, um, I think Lambo will forever. You know, you, you think of Chris Berman, the frozen tundra of Lambo Field. You know, like it's it, it, there's there's no place like playing at Lambo. So I, I I don't want to give you a yes or a no on that, but I, I will still say yes. I I, th- I don't think Lambo Lambo has ever or will ever lose its luster and. I think it'll be sooner rather than later before we see another home playoff win there. Mm, That's okay. Definitely a a bold prediction there. Uh, Guys, LA and Tampa Bay. That was uh, as what DeLuca alluded to earlier Uh, Two, the last two games of divisional weekend was not the snooze fest that Rob DeLuca stayed awake for. And this one was a good one. Uh, We got to see a 27 to three start by Los Angeles. And then all of a sudden, those uh those those ghosts of 28 to 3 back from Super Bowl 51 came into the uh, into the heads of Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay and the entire LA Rams franchise and they almost blew it to say the least. That was absolutely crazy stuff, fellas. Rob DeLuca, I got to start with you. Was this a snooze fest? And not not when the not when the halfway through the third quarter kicked in. No, <laughs> up, up, up until then when it was twenty seven to three. Yeah, you bet. I mean, look, it was a one sided it was a one sided game for two and a half quarters, and there's no denying that the scoreboard said it itself. It was twenty seven to three. So, but but that's the, that's the thing. I I said it when I I was with my buddies watching this game, and I said to them when it was twenty seven three. I'm like, this game's not over yet. I'm like, this is this is Tom, it's Tom Brady right there. This game is so far from over. And sure enough, he nearly proved me right. It was yeah. that it was that close. The come the comeback was unbelievable, but it was a comeback that almost was, and almost doesn't get you anything in the National Football League. So it was it was a great finish. And again, if that's goodbye for Tom Brady, I honestly you can't say he didn't go out on top because the way he played that fourth quarter, you you can't say he did. That was practically as on top as you can get, aside from winning another Super Bowl, but he's already got seven of those. So yeah, I was going to say, I think he's, good. Yeah. I think he's pretty good. I think, I think in terms of being eliminated, that's probably one of the better ways you could go out with a performance like that individually. And you know, it's, but again, look, the Rams got composed themselves and got themselves and got refocused and went to, and went down and won the game in the fourth quarter late. And it was a great game to finish off. And the Rams do have their work cut out for them, especially yeah. if they, especially because they, they've kind of proven that they apparently can't hold the big lead. So you gotta you're gonna have to watch out. Yeah, you've got a little bit of home field advantage, but with that again, we we discussed this two weeks ago with that stadium. That's no, there's no such thing. So especially with an in-state rival, no less. So mm. it'll definitely be something. It'll be a great game. Look, I'm I'm expecting a great game. Well, what's at stake, DeLuca, for them to become the second team in NFL history? Nobody remembers second. To to potentially host 
a uh, to potentially host the Super Bowl. That's that that is a big deal. That and is what it's and, and you are right. There's no in doubt back, in back to back years, no less. Right, exactly. So you know things that that you exactly, can... and because it's in back to back years, nobody's going to remember the second one. That's fair. That's that's definitely fair. Um, but the thing to me, fellas, in, in watching this game here is that I don't know if it would be any different in terms of uh, game. Or I think I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. I don't think it would be the same if they did not acquire a certain piece that was a monumental part of the defense in this contest. I don't know. Someone by the name of Von Miller. Uh, Von wait, Miller. Wait, 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 Joey. Wait, 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 wait Let's wait. hear it. But Joey, wait a minute. Wait, you said Von Miller, right? I did say Von Miller. I believe Ian Schreier was say, was two weeks ago was saying something about Von Miller not being the player that he once was, and it was me. I believe it was me who rebuttaled with <laughs> Von Miller's got the playoff experience. He knows how to step up in these big games. And I, I don't recall saying that, but I, I mean, do. I, I, I do remember that. To, Luca. I do. Pull, and Joe, Joey's backing me up here. Thank you very much. And this, I do remember that. And <laughs> he remembers you vividly. And I just got to say that you, that, that's what that's why they got Von Miller. They they need you need that playoff experience for a team like that, and it it paid off tremendously. He had nine QB pressures, which is his his personal best in a game since week seven in 2008. That's really unbelievable. And again, to see what he was able to do, we also saw numerous QB rushes by, uh, or, or, or pressures by, uh, by Aaron Donald, those two on the same field on the same side, watch out Ian Schreier. What'd you see uh, with this LA Tampa Bay game? I think anyone, uh, would say that when Leonard Fournette ran that ball in for that one yard touchdown and make oh, it 27, yeah. 13, everybody thought this game is not over yet. Um, and then Brady hits uh, Mike Evans for that 55 yard TD. And now it's a seven point game. And you're just saying, you're saying to yourself, something's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. Something's going to happen here. That's going to give Brady back the ball, even though the Rams have a chance to, to shut it out, to close it out. And Cam Akers fumbles in, in his own territory and Levante David falls on it. Um, and, and they tie the game and you just said to yourself, it, I mean, listen, I, I tweeted it out. I said, 28, three, the sequel. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it just seems like it doesn't, it never matters. It never matters. Tom Brady always gets an opportunity to win. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch. And I know we didn't win the game, but it's just so frustrating to watch. But listen, I, I thought the one piece that came out of this game is that the entire nation got to see who Matthew Stafford really is. Um, and, and that he was no longer hanging underneath the dark cloud that is Detroit. Um, and that he, you know, and, and playing for this team that has for years upon years laid claim to these losses in heartbreaking gut-wrenching fashion that he's now finally, they brought him to a city to win a championship and, uh, Let's talk about another quarterback underwhelming regular season, but you cannot understate that the last two games that Matthew Stafford has had in the playoffs right now for the LA Rams. And I don't know if I'm teasing um, my pick here for uh, in a few minutes, but I think there, there's a lot to be said, um, you know, about the way Matthew Stafford is playing right now. Um, and I think, and I think a key matchup to watch next this, this weekend is going to be Jalen Ramsey and Debo Samuel. I think that's going to make for a real, real, uh, interesting um, matchup, especially um, after talking to Evan Winter last week to see maybe Jalen matching up with George Kittle a little bit too. But 
Um, I, I, let me get back on point. Um, I think the the play of Matthew Stafford has been outstanding, and to see him hit Cooper Cup uh, on that pass up the seam to put them in field goal range, um, just what what a finish, what a game, and 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 very very happy for Stafford and the Rams. How do you go? How, how do you how do you come up with a plan? Todd Bowles where you go one-on-one with Cooper cup and you put Antoine Winfield jr. As the primary back. Well, he's the safe, right? He's the safety help over the top. That's really tough. That, that, that to me is, is just absolutely wild. And it was a 44 yard pass to Cooper cup. And you know what? It just, it makes no sense to me, Mike. What, what, what did you see? Not only what did you see, but you know, the, the jaw dropping, pass that he was there was no and yes Antoine Winfield was the was the safety up the middle but how do you mess this up on pretty much what could have been the last play or essentially was the second to last play of the game and you took the words right out of my mouth my my first words would be Todd Bowles was an idiot I mean I don't know what are you doing (laughs) I mean the best wide receiver in the game this year are you letting him just run up one-on-one why are you blitzing why are you blitzing at that moment it makes absolutely no sense why are you blitzing blitzing just keep everything in front of you it it it, it defies logic it it really does especially because right before that pass uh the stafford hit cup to get the the other first down on on the side on the slot yeah and it's like who's yeah. obviously looking for him. Why why are you making it easier? And it's that if you're a Buccaneers fan, I mean so frustrating. I mean because <laughs> if you got to overtime, Brady's winning that game. No question. Oh yeah. Oh I, yeah. I mean, they're they're winning that game. Um but I mean listen, as Ian said, happy for Matthew Stafford. I kind of I've always liked him as a quarterback, felt he's been massively underrated. Now he's in more of a national spotlight, and he had a great regular season and had a really good uh, two playoff games, and he beat the GOAT. So I think this whole narrative that he can't win the big one or do it in the uh, – or play well when the lights get brightest, I mean, he just beat the GOAT, whether it was Todd Bowles shooting themselves in their own foot or not. I mean, he made an incredible throw when the chips were down and they had a horrible second half, the Rams – he did what they needed to do to get the hell out of there and, and steal a victory out of Tampa. And Tom Brady had a rough game, too. He had a rough game. 30 for 54, 329 yards, one touchdown, two giveaways. Um, you know, those numbers are good, but they're not, you know, eye-popping. They're not Tom um, Brady numbers. Yeah, exactly. Those are not Tom Brady numbers. And what Matthew Stafford did, those numbers are eye-popping. Three touchdowns, 28 for 38, 121.2 passer rating, zero giveaways i mean listen i think also yes mikey did beat the goat but i think now you have to go home and you have to play a really tough san francisco team who we brought up a few weeks ago that san francisco is really good on the road too and this is something else too exactly what deluca said yes about this home field advantage in-state rival, it's very easy now for San Francisco to come down and invade SoFi Stadium and invade Inglewood. It's very possible. We don't know how it's going to be, um, but what I can tell you is is that it's it's going to be a fun battle to watch, but before we get there, um, we still have potentially what could have been 
a top five game of all playoff game of all time in the National Football League. Uh, Buffalo and Kansas City, a 42-36 shootout. Um, a lot of people thought that this game was completely overblown. A lot of people, and, and in terms of the the narrative of um, best or one of the best playoff games ever in the NFL, could it have been that? Uh, the overtime rules, they need to be changed. We don't know about that. Other people have some ideas, and we would definitely have a full roundtable here. We do see Ian nodding his head no, Mike nodding his head yes, so we will have a full roundtable there uh, while those two debate it out, and me and DeLuca will just sit back and drink our tea. Um, but the bottom line here, ladies and gentlemen. Zabo can go, Zabo can go first. Well, hold on. We're not oh, there God. yet. Well, we're, well, we're not there just yet. For that, uh, just for that, I'm going first. Well, Buffalo, well, <laughs> Buffalo and Kansas City, ladies and gentlemen, Tyreek Hill said peace out to Buffalo later on in the ball game. Gabriel Davis, the legend who no one knew about, had four touchdowns. And keep in mind, he's the first player in the Super Bowl era with 200-plus receiving yards and four-plus touchdowns in a playoff game. I want to start off with Rob DeLuca here because he said that he was going to start it off. We will get to the full roundtable discussion in a few moments. Well, now I ask you this again, DeLuca. Was the beginning of the game a snooze fest until the last quarter? Uh, no, this game this game is up there in NFL history. It's there's no other way to put that. This was incredible. That's playoff football right there. And that's what fans love seeing is a big and it's not even the fact that it's a big offensive shootout. Everyone played well, both sides of the ball. So you know what? I loved this game. I think it was one of the best. It's definitely in the discussions for one of the greatest playoff games of all time. It's definitely in the top five. Mm. It, it might it, it is i don't know if it's number one probably not no but it's it is definitely top five and it's it was just thinking about it just wow i mean yeah I was, again i was with my friends watching it and it just like the at, the atmosphere i was in was going bonkers so it was i can't imagine what actually being in the stadium must have been like because just Phenomenal performances, Josh yeah. Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It only made sense that this game would go to overtime, just because. Although it didn't seem likely, considering you had about you had four scoring drives in the final two minutes, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and sure. then it ends because somebody won the coin toss, as that's how NFL overtime goes. So. Enough. Change the rule. Change the change. <laughs> change the rule. We're running out of time, so I'll just say this: change the rules. Everyone should one possession each, regardless of how you score. Each team gets to possess the ball, regardless. Okay, so regardless if it's a touchdown. Only thing that ends the game is a defensive safety. All right, timeout. 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 Really so, specific. So, so not only that. So, are we going into the round table? Then we might as well. We might as well. We'll let. We'll let. We'll let. The, we'll let the, let's. We're, we're short on time, Joyce. So I'm saying let let everyone describe the game and then just give their take on the on the rule because we, we are we are running low on time and there's still so much to discuss. So go ahead, Mike. So so, I'll, so yeah, my my proposed rule change would be both teams get to the get to possess the ball unless a safety is scored on the first on the first drive. So if a safety Mike, is scored. If, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's Mike, 
I, I mean, listen, the game was absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I mean, there's nothing more to say about that. I mean, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes is a battle that we can be seeing for the next couple of years. And, and I mean, my, my goodness, the play of both of them, uh, just think about those two fourth quarter, uh, those two uh, fourth downs uh, that Josh Allen had to uh, be able to convert to put them in a, posi- in a position to get that touchdown, uh, to get back into the game. Uh, it's just unreal performance that he had. Kansas City and, and Patrick Mahomes uh, having 177 yards of offense after the two-minute warning. I mean, this this game just defied logic. Driving into field goal range with 13 seconds left. I mean, I, I get the whole debate. They should have squid-kicked it, yes. But I am convinced the, the football gods, you could have given Harrison Buckner a 70-yard field goal and he was making it. You can't convince me otherwise. I mean, that's the way it was going. Uh, I, I, it was just ridiculous but uh it's a phenomenal game by both you would have loved uh, i if you're either set of chiefs or bills fans i mean one situation where the defense can you make a stop and not allow a touchdown but i mean other than that just phenomenal offensive and quarterback play it had a i mean if you're a neutral fan you had a hell of a lot of fun the overtime rules I mean, you won on a coin toss. That's how it is. Both team, we had this, and it's not like this is the first time we've had this debate. I had this debate in 2018 when it was the Patriots and and Chiefs in the AFC Championship, and the Patriots win the coin toss. Brady drives them down the field. It's the conversation. You never had Mahomes on there. They never have a chance. And people will say, oh, what if the defense could stop them and this and that? Um, Is Josh Allen playing cornerback? Last time I didn't check, I checked, he plays offense, so he doesn't have a chance to do anything. He can't, you know, go on his little controller and tell uh, Jordan Poyer, hello, please stop Travis Kelsey in the back of the end zone. <laughs> I mean, what, what, when the, what drives me nuts about the overtime rules is when the referees bring every the team captains together to do the coin toss and everything, they say, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new game, so here goes the coin toss or whatever. It's a new game, so each side should get a possession. It's a new game. It doesn't make sense. If you say it, if if you say it like that, and it's interpreted like that, then yes, then I agree with you. But that's the thing: is that this whole new game mantra that these that these officials preach, you know, for television purposes. No, it's not. It, it's, in the it, it's not a new game. Well, see that, but that's the problem, though. Is is that which we'll we'll get to my side in a second. But Ian Schreier, the rebuttal. You can't tell me that the. Uh, I'll get to my overtime piece in a second, but you can't tell me that that when you're watching Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen out there, that it's not re- giving you the the vibes of a, of a Peyton Brady, um, you know, to be. Um, I mean, these are the games that we're going to get to look forward to for AFC Championships and games in the future. Sign me up tomorrow. Um, that was that was fantastic to watch, but there was not one part of me that said it. And, and we were texting all the four of us throughout the entire game. Um, that said to myself, whoever has the ball last is winning this football game. And there was no doubt in my mind about it. I mean, neither defense could stop either team. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. And especially um, when when Kansas City lost one of their key corners, and yes, New York Giants legend DeAndre Baker is coming in to cover Gabriel Davis 
No wonder why the man had four touchdowns. Okay, number <laughs> one. I mean, I mean the the go ahead the go ahead touchdown that was supposed to give Buffalo the win when Kansas City was getting the ball with 13 seconds left. He literally just shrugs off DeAndre Baker like he's a piece of paper flying through the air and is just standing there all alone in the end zone. Please tell me how. Please tell me how good Kansas City's defense really was. Nevertheless, I digress there. Um, I, I I don't know if you guys got a chance to look or, or if our viewers got a chance to look on Twitter, but um, I thought there was a great video piece where for some reason Travis Kelsey was mic'd up. And I don't know if anybody had a chance to watch it, but it's fantastic. And he's literally in so many ways basically calling the plays that are going to get the Kansas City Chiefs into, into field goal range in 13 seconds. He's basically telling Tyreek, come across, come across the middle on, on an across route, and I'm just going to block for you. I'm going to give you about 20 yards. That's the play that runs. And then Kelsey's, and then I believe Travis Kelsey is telling Patrick Mahomes, no one's covering me. I mean, who in the world, when you're still not in field goal range, is giving Kansas City's best weapon in the middle of the field? Because you, you know they don't, you know they're not going for the touchdown at least um, at that point. I mean, all their D backs are playing back. To, to prevent the touchdown. So what do you do? You give their best player over the middle of the field a free release at the line of scrimmage. You could at least try within that five yards where you're allowed to make what's not a legal contact, okay, to try to throw him at least off his route a little bit. And then guess what? The game is over. I mean, we could sit here and go into arguments. Oh, they should have squibbed. You know, um, you know, Hardman would have picked up the ball and the clock would have run a little bit. I, I still think whoever it was, and this is just my argument, that one of the upbacks would have kneeled on it. I really do. I really believe that that was the case, or that no, that Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely 110% of the game plan going into that kickoff. Okay, overtime rules. If Josh Allen has the football and Patrick Mahomes doesn't, Buffalo wins the football game. Period. 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 That's the other half of the argument no one's talking about. Okay, <laughs> not only did Buffalo not stop Kansas City. Kansas City couldn't stop Buffalo. No, but so, that's the so point. Are we, are we are we having the same argument? Okay, five days later, if Buffalo scores and Patrick and Josh Allen and and the Bills are going to have their opportunity to play for the AFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl to have a chance to win their first title, while oh look look guess what again Patrick Mahomes is going to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl again. I think it's a totally different story. I don't think anyone's arguing it. If Buffalo A wins the coin toss, because everybody probably thought at the moment with 13 seconds left when Gabriel Davis is catching that touchdown pass, oh, Buffalo deserves to be there. And no one's arguing that they didn't. But the fact that Mahomes got the ball first and Mahomes just led a downfield assault down a downfield assault for the game winning down to Travis Kelsey and, of course, Tony Romo. Oh, I don't think the game is over, Jim. Like, like the game was over. <laughs> okay. Um, and, you know, like, like Tony Romo just wanted to see that game keep going. And every football fan wanted to. Yeah. But I, I'm sorry. Listen, and, and, and this is the count. This is the rebuttal to Mike's point. Stop a team when it matters. I don't care if Josh Allen's on the bench or if Patrick Mahomes is on the bench. When you're playing that level of football, I don't care who's on the field. Look what the Giants did to Tom Brady in Super Bowl 42. You mean to tell me that the best quarterback in football can't be stopped on one drive? I don't buy that. I don't buy that. In a must-win game, in a win-or-go-home game, I'm so done with saturating the overtime rules. I was okay with with finally saying, all right, good. If the first team kicks a field, because that was the, because growing up to me, that was the worst thing in the world. I hated it. I hated that whoever won the coin toss won the game because all you had to do was get in field goal range and the game was over. Okay. The fact that they at least have to make you drive at least at minimum 75 yards if there's a touchback to go down the field, score the touchdown. Okay. To me is, 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 is the piece here. Okay. 
So that's my argument to it. If you have a defense that really can play well and can at least come up with one big stop, that's the difference in the game. No one's arguing this. If if Buffalo can stop, Buffalo stops Mahomes, Buffalo gets the ball, Allen leads them down, and, and the uh, the Bills kick the game-winning field goal. No one's making this argument every now and again. So uh, I had this whole argument in my office, too, about college football. Now, all of a sudden, after both teams possess the ball twice, now every team no longer can go for a touchdown. Now every team has to play two-point conversion, two-point conversion, two-point conversion. How much How much more do we want to saturate these rules, guys? That, that to me, is why the overtime rules, despite everyone's argument for, oh, I wanted to see a 142-139 final in 19 <laughs> overtimes because no one was stopping each other, okay? To me, that is the difference here with with overtime and why yeah. the rules do not need to change. Yeah, I, I and you know what? And I'll be honest with you, you know, and that's I'll, what I'll, really I'll, grinds my gears. Okay? I'll, I'll, <laughs> I will I will end it off here just so we can keep moving forward. We're running low on time, as Deluca, uh, you know, repeatedly brought up at nauseum earlier. Uh, but the big <laughs> thing to me though is is that you know this is not college. This is professional. Okay, regardless of these constant rule changes that has been going on in overtime a flip of the coin can determine your fate and that's exactly what happened why do we have to give the ball back with a touchdown there is no reason for it there is none how much more are we going to do and exactly what ian said took the words right out of, right out of my mouth because mahomes is a winner not saying josh allen is not but if mahomes was not the one on the other end of this this conversation would not be happening. I can, I can guarantee 100%. it. There's no doubt in my mind that it would not be happening because, wow, Buffalo won against Patrick Mahomes one time. Great. The overtime rules are awesome. But Patrick Mahomes defied those rules, and he just did it himself and went down the field in a grand total of, I think it was five minutes, five minutes into overtime, a Travis Kelsey touchdown uh, after Josh Allen called tails in the coin toss. Big whoop. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry, everybody else, but I don't agree. Uh, guys, let's keep moving forward here, and I want to look at the preview of the AFC, AFC and NFC Championship. We'll go a little quicker as we did um, here this time around. Cincinnati and Kansas City. Um, this is going to be a good one, fellas. I want to go to Rob DeLuca first here. We haven't spoken to him in about an hour. Uh, DeLuca, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got you, buddy. Uh, love you too, buddy. You're, you're welcome, brother. Absolutely. Uh, Cincinnati and, uh, and and Kansas City. I mean, do we see another peace sign uh, with, with Tyreek Hill or maybe Jamar Chase on the opposite end? What do we see? Sure thing. Uh, you want you want me to preview the game or just give it your prediction? No, you can preview a part of it. Go ahead. You got right. time. Look, I think I look. Clearly, the Cincinnati Bengals should no longer be uh, underestimated. I think they have proved that through two games. So I'm not going to underestimate them. I think they are going to be in this game. I believe the spread is about seven points right now. I think the Bengals can cover that. I'm not even kidding. I think that they will. This game is going to be so close. It's going to be another great game, another classic game in Arrowhead. And it's, you know, Joe Burrow, it's going to be a lot on Joe Burrow's shoulders. And can the second-year quarterback, technically yeah. second-year quarterback, you know, with his season-ending injury last year. But, yeah, can this second-year quarterback, first-time playoff quarterback, can he handle this 
kind of pressure. That's going to be wait and see, especially with an O-line as weak as his. It, it It isn't even New York Giants level bad. It's its own level of bad, how bad the Cincinnati offensive line is. His protection is terrible, which makes it even more impressive how he has been able to play so well this year. And that's what's admirable about Joe Burrow. So I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I am absolutely pulling for him, but I just don't see it. So I think in a very close game, the Kansas city chiefs will move on in the end. It's just going to be a little too much. That Kansas city defense is going to swarm burrow. Patrick Mahomes is going to have another field day as he did last week, even though he only won an overtime in a close game, but that's what's going to happen here too. It's going to be another close game, but Patrick Mahomes is going to have another field day. So I think the chiefs move on in a very close game and a fun one at that point. I just think, I just think Kansas city has a few too many weapons for this young Cincinnati team to handle. Ian and Mike uh, will go uh, in order here, Uh, Cincinnati and Kansas city. And then your predictions after. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a word that that Mike Zabo gave to us last week. Blowout. It's gonna be a blowout. Um, th- this game is not gonna be close. Uh, I'm look. I'm pulling for um for, for Joe Burrow. I really am. I, I would love to see Cincinnati come out of the AFC Championship game and uh, and potentially go to the Super Bowl and and see Joe Burrow pull off a miracle. Um, I don't think it's happening here. I think they beat. Two teams that are vastly underwhelming on their way to the AFC Championship game, Las Vegas and ten- that being Las Vegas and uh, and Tennessee. Um, you've got a basically, a, uh, not a basically, a first-time postseason appearance by Joe, Bur- uh, Joe Burrow going into Arrowhead. You've got a first-time wide receiver in the in the playoffs. Uh, Joe, uh, basically, everybody on that team, is it's their first time ever in the playoffs, going up against an experienced, um, more than well-experienced Super Bowl-winning Hall of Fame head coach, um game plan here um it, it's so tough to win an arrowhead to begin with and you, now you're going to throw all those factors into the game i don't think this game's going to be all that close i'm going to say kansas city 38 cincinnati 14 mm, mike zabo what do you got uh in terms of the kansas city chiefs and and the Bengals, i mean I, how do you stop travis kelsey is that's that's the big thing i mean i i don't see how cincinnati comes uh, comes out of this. I love Joe Burrow and the story of the Cincinnati Bengals this year. Uh, I, I'd love to see them be able to to just absolutely shock Arrowhead and be able to pull off a crazy win there. But I, I'm gonna say it's gonna. I think they'll give them a fight because I mean that Kansas City secondary is god awful. I mean uh, Joe uh, Josh Allen made uh, put that secondary to shame last week. I think Joe Burrow. Uh, can at least do half that kind of job. I think it'll be 28-20 Chiefs. Um, Let's keep moving forward here, fellas. And uh, right after we make our picks here, we want to go into uh, Major League Baseball for the the Hall of Fame talk. Um, So the next thing here, obviously, is um, L.A. and San Francisco. And we obviously got a chance to speak with Kyle uh, with Kyle Madsen. He's, I'm sure, absolutely ecstatic. We followed his Twitter. Uh, he's going bongos that San Francisco w- might have another chance at a Super Bowl run. Uh, we saw it a couple of years ago with uh, with with Jimmy G. But is it enough uh, to get it done in Los Angeles? Uh, and potentially, uh, and again, the winner will be staying in LA to play at SoFi Stadium. I want to start with Ian uh, Ian here first. 
I mean, at the same time, do you want to get my uh, my pick in for the pool? Because this is this is the same game that I picked for my. Oh right, that my is pool true. Pick. Sure, I love your pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to, to to really kind of scout the game here, um, I think I'll just go back to what I said about Matthew Stafford. Uh, clearly, the resume, and I'm not trying to understate what San Francisco is doing here. Uh, look, I mean, Kyle Madsen said it best. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer for the San Francisco 49ers. And at some point, his play has to step up. I know they're making comparisons to the 2007 New York Giants. Eli Manning was the New York Giants quarterback. Like, like the Giants could move the football. Um, like, I'm ha- like they had a Monty Tumor and they and, and, and like they had all these guys that, that could that could make plays across around the field, like like because of the quarterback that they had. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, went into the Super Bowl against the Kansas Chief, Kansas City Chiefs and got completely embarrassed because Raheem Moster could not run the football. Okay, so I, I'm really trusting in Sean McVay here, um, and, and it's not even just so much Stafford too. Sean McVay, I mean, this guy continually comes in with a great game plan week after week after week, found ways to exploit. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and granted nearly lost the game last week, but I, I, I love the fact that the Rams are playing at home. Um, I know it's an in-state rivalry. I know the Rams are running this whole, Oh, we're not selling to people from the, from the, from the Bay area selling tickets. So it's going to be Los Angeles fans only, whatever we want to call that. Um, but I think the, uh, the fact yeah, that there's otherwise, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, indeed. But um, I, I really love the way Stafford's playing the last two weeks. And I did not say that last week about Aaron Rodgers. And so my pick for the game, um, Rams, um, uh, I don't know about a score prediction here. I'll, if I had to go off the cuff here, let's say 23-14. But, uh, but just to allude to the Los Angeles Rams are my pick this week for the Survivor Pool. Mm, well, 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 Mike Zabo. Do we, do we finally have? Do we finally have a, a, a change? Uh, we're not going to announce that just yet because Mike Zabo has yet to make his prediction as well as his thoughts on this contest. Uh, I, I won't discount what the 49ers have done, but I think at some point, if uh, as to what Ian uh, said, if Jimmy G's play doesn't step up, it's going to eventually catch up to the 49ers. Uh, I, I don't know how much more this defense can can do. At some point, the quarterback's got to start doing something. And as far as the comparison to the 2007 Giants, that's a complete offense to Eli Manning and what he was doing in those playoff runs. Um, but I think this game, I think simply the fact San Francisco beat the Rams uh, twice in the regular season. It is really hard to beat the team three times in a year. I don't know. I'm a little bit superstitious with that. Um, so I'm going uh, Rams 20 to 17. Remember I said the name Samson Ibukam early on. Uh, we brought him up about how he was able to really come out and play and ball out against Green Bay. He had six sacks in his last seven games, and he had one sack in his first 12 games this season. And now he's got six in his last seven games. That's absolutely unbelievable. And guess where he came from? Los Angeles. He is coming back here to prove that he made the right choice. San Francisco will be going to the Super Bowl 23 to 20. It's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, by the Chiefs. It is that is 100% correct. But we have I would love to t- I'd love to tell you where where I'm going with this game, Joey. Oh, that is true. Of course, DeLuca. Sorry. 
Yeah. Um, How yeah, dare I'll I? Brief. I think this game's going to be great. It's going to be close. It's going to be that's that's just how the NFC West has played football all year long. So that's we're not going to see that. But I did something in September. I said we were going to have a Kansas City Chiefs and a Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl. There is no you reason for did. me not to stick with that at this point, and I am going to stick with that. So the Los Angeles Rams win this game as the graphic is pulled up there. I said it would be the Chiefs over the Rams. We'll see if I hold that prediction next for next week's show. I probably will, but who knows? It, it'll depend if the, if this is actually what comes true. But for yeah. now, I am sticking with it. We have a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl coming to you. you. You and Travis Severance are the two that have uh, that have done well with that. So pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good predictions so far. You guys are holding up. So uh, as we brought up early on about the last week's picks, we brought up about how John DeCani and Ian Schreier are still chasing the best individual record. Their pick last week was Green Bay each, and the best part about it is that they were both losers That's- well now the best part is is that as we bring up our latest graphic we got a good one we're going to the super bowl we baby! got a good one ian schreier it's los angeles times two again ian schreier your thoughts so can, can we get john the on so at least what we could do at this very moment is both say to ourselves, we're taking Kansas City in two weeks so that this way we know exactly how we're breaking the tie again because that's exactly what's going to happen. I will be quite honest with you. I gave a lot of thought. That's why when, when Joey texted me before the show and said, do you have your pick? I did not. I honestly, I honestly have been struggling because I'm like, oh, I'm like, do I want to just – I think Kansas City – I think Kansas City is going to win it all. I'll come out here and say it right now. I think Kansas City's going to win it all. I think they are the best team in the NFL remaining, and they were the best team in the NFL coming into the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't have. I really can't put it together because I, when I was looking at the picks, I was like, okay, we can't use the same team twice, and that includes in the Super Bowl. So, who do we have winning the Super Bowl? Well, I took Green Bay last week. Um, if since I mean the only way we we the only way Dakani and I are both screwed is if Cincinnati beats. Uh, Beats Kansas City because yeah, then, then you don't have. And this. then if Los Angeles is right, you literally don't have a team. This Correct. is why I I have protested this rule to Joey. I, well, I, I want Joey to drop the rule so that way you guys actually do have two choices to make to potentially have a winner because ties are stupid. <laughs> uh oh, Ian muted himself. himself. There we go. <laughs> Ian did I not. No can you guys can hear me? Okay. We got it loud and clear. All right. I'm sorry about that. I have no idea how I just went, how my mute, how my mic just went under, but, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't see how the chiefs are losing to the Bengals this weekend, even though I would love to see it happen uh, just to see, to see this, the great story that's continuing with Joe Burrow. Uh, but no, I think the Connie and I both have had the same exact thought the entire postseason. And I'll be real the same thought the entire I'll season. Be real curious to see how Joey and Rob come up with a second tiebreaker because um, it's it's get, it's getting good. <laughs> no, we're simple. We're gonna bre- we're gonna break the survivor rule. You could pick whoever you want, whoever's in the Super Bowl. It's that simple. But if it's well, Kansas City, we're both taking Kansas City. Yeah. Who ha, have you spoken to John DeCani about that? Are you kidding me? You know if he actually wants to do that. I mean, hey, listen. If he, if he it's, not take, for, it's not for you to tell what, me. It's for you to tell John DeCani. If he wants to take San Francisco, if San Francisco wins this weekend and he's right, all the more power to him. It won't be me. <laughs> well, if the Rams are. But what if he wants to take the Rams again? That's why we're trying to open up this option. No, 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 no. 
Well, guys, we have to continue. We have to continue rolling here, and of course, uh, uh, something that we were going to make a, uh, a a topic and something that was going to be a discussion, unfortunately, now has to move as a sports update. So we're going to do that. Uh, David Ortiz, uh, of course, known as Big Poppy, was named and voted into Cooperstown into the baseball. Uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame up in Cooperstown. Uh, he got 77.9% of the vote. He's the 58th player in, uh, in in MLB history to get in on the first ballot. That is some uh, some some high praise there, especially uh, the 58th player. That's really unbelievable stuff. Um, a lot of names are never going to be on the ballot ever again for the Baseball uh, Writers Association of America, and that is something that I'm sure we will discuss at some point soon and will definitely come up come baseball season. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa did not get 75% of the votes, and because they've been on the ballot for the last 10 years, they are no longer on the ballot and will forever be kept out of the baseball hall of fame. Definitely something that will be, uh, we'll be discussing in the near future because that is a lot of baseball history, regardless of the asterisks, um, that will not be, uh, enshrined in Cooperstown guys. Uh, another sports update, of course, the reason why Ian and Mike did come on, but they simply didn't watch it was of course, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, had his number 30 officially sent to the rafters in Madison square garden as, uh, Mike has his, uh, has his stuff on there, his Ra uh, Rangers Jersey on there. Really good to see. Congratulations to a fantastic career for Henrik, Henrik Lundqvist, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. The, in my opinion, the greatest goaltender of all time to never hoist the Stanley Cup. Uh, and guys, that is going to do it for the main programming of our show and let us get you some bills to be paid here. Of course, today is uh, is Doubleheader Friday. And of course, early on today, you got a chance to see the Royal Rumble uh, preview special, which was presented by ProWrestlingPickem.com. Be sure to check out that show on demand at all of the following uh, platforms. Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Eastern Observer, uh, Minutes to Bell Time, of course, our partner and friend, uh, YouTube and Spotify. Of course, also, please, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe to our channel, the Eastern Observer, and search the Primetime Rundown for all of our shows, past and present. Uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Odyssey is all the is the home of the primetime rundown. Same thing goes with the essential wrestling podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please be sure to check them out. Also this coming Tuesday, they will be on at 5 PM Eastern time, February 1st presented to you by pro wrestling Our guys, Al Carl, Ryan joy, John DeCani, Gary, me and John Smith will be on, of course, wrestle, uh, previewing and recapping the world of wrestling guys. A really good show tonight. Cannot thank everyone enough for joining us here on the Eastern Observer. For my guys, Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, Mike Zabo, I'm Joey Jarzinka. For all of us here at the Eastern Observer and the Blackjack Media Group, have a great weekend. Stay safe in the snow, and we will see you next week.